0: This is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. at goTodobs.com shop brands, sizes, pricing and our amazing deals. With 40 plus locations, get same day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on go Now It's only a kick.
1: A jump! A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this.
0: Adidas. Time now for the Carriker and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Guess what day it is? Half-pump day... Good morning, everyone. Happy
2: Hump Day in St. Louis. Your time is 7.01. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle Svalman is here. Matthew Rocchio is here. I'm Randy Carricker. Good morning, Michelle. How are you doing?
3: I'm doing wonderful, Randy. Good morning to you. You were at the, the ball game last night. How was it?
2: It is great to be in the town of the best baseball team in the National League, and it is great to be... At a game, witnessing the best team in the National League as they beat the former best team, the Dodgers. You got to, as the old saying goes, Michelle, you got to beat the best to be the best. And did the Cardinals not win last night against the Dodgers?
3: They did. That was a very drama-filled playoff-feeling July 12th game. But it was fun.
2: The only thing was, uh, is one of the all-time great memes the uh, action figure of Clayton Kershaw with choking hazard circled? The one of the toy. Oh boy. <laughs> it did bring back memories of Matt Adams. It was uh, it was that much fun. Yeah. Poor or Clayton Kershaw. I love Clayton Kershaw, but I think that's a pretty funny meme.
3: It's a pretty good one. Or people could say that it brought back memories of Chris Turner and Alex yeah. Reyes.
2: Because um, that was the last time but, we saw the Dodgers. Yeah, it is. That didn't bring because that was LA and the Cardinals were true. wearing gray. So. That's
3: true. That's true. Good point.
2: Cardinals do come away with a 7 6 win last night. And it was drama filled and it was fun filled. Scoreless game, second inning, a bullpen start for the Cardinals for Jordan Hicks. And the first guy to get the Cardinals on the board was probably the first guy to get the Cardinals on the board when they played the Dodgers in the 2004 playoffs.
1: They go one. Albert hits it out to deep left. And the fans loving it here at Bush.
2: How about Albert figuring something out in Atlanta? And Mm -hmm. as Danny said on Valley Sports last night, he's locked in now. Scary for the rest of the National League.
3: He's feeling it. He's absolutely feeling it, Randy. And I would not be surprised if he gets a couple more homers before the break. He's just warming up for the home run derby.
2: Yeah, he's got to get ready for that.
3: But did you hear that crowd? I mean, I oh, know yeah. Dan acknowledged it. That sounds like a home run in a playoff game.
2: Yeah, it was amazing. It's and so he gets, good. He gets the standing O before every at-bat, and the crowd was electric. They came to their feet again when Juan Yapez scored on a Mitch White-Wild pitch. It was 2 nothing Redbirds, and before the second period was out, or second inning, or second frame was out, <laughs> Andrew Kisner singled home. The great Corey Dickerson to make it 3-0 in favor of the Cardinals. Freddie Freeman with an RBI double in the third, a 3-1 game. Bottom of the third, 3-1 in favor of the Cardinals. And here comes the rookie.
1: Nolan Gorman with a drive. Into right center. Gone. Home run. Nolan Gorman, his eighth of the year. It's a 4-1 St. Louis lead i'm
2: very interested to watch nolan gorman develop as dan said his eighth home run of the year and when he hits him they go if he makes contact on a reasonable enough basis michelle He's going to be a big-time power hitter.
3: Yes, he is, and he needed that one, snapping an 0-for-12 skid. Yeah, he was... It seems like a lot of guys are starting to turn the corner on this Cardinals team.
2: Yeah, after the, the road trip and the, the start against Philadelphia, things are a lot better. Kizer with another RBI, scores Dickerson again, 5-1 Cardinals, Nolan Arnato singles one home, 6-1 Cardinals, and with runners at first and second, Gorman lined out to end the fourth, and it was 6-1 Cardinals. And if Gorman gets a hit there, that game is over. But back come the Dodgers. A homer by Trey Turner to score Mookie Betts, make it 6-1 three. Austin Barnes with a ground out to score Hansel, Hansel Alberto and it's six to four. And then in the seventh inning, Will Smith, singles to right to score a run to make it a 6-5 game. Cardinals lead led 6-1. Now it's 6-5. Justin Turner walks. Packy Naughton comes in to replace Junior Fernandez. Max Muncy, pinch hitter, pop-up. Hansel Alberto, pop-up. Cody Bellinger, next up.
1: Here it comes. Swing! is loaded. Nobody out and gets out of it. He
2: is a revelation. Friend of the show, Packy Naughton. And man, when he comes out of the bullpen, he's a force to be reckoned with.
3: And what a big-time gutsy moment for Packy Naughton. I love how he was attacking Mm -hmm. Bellinger, and that was just huge. That felt like a playoff moment. Bases loaded, they were within a run, and the fact that he was able to get the punch out was unbelievable. And I love this quote, by the way, Randy. I saw this from Katie Wu of Packy after the game about being a member of the Cardinals. He said, I just love being here. From day one when I was in spring training and when I was claimed by these guys, I just love this place. You get a feeling, you know, deep in your gut when stuff's gonna go right and I had that feeling when I was picked up by them and I couldn't be happier with where I'm at right now well
2: you should be happy he escaped the angels so not that escaping (laughs) angels is a bad thing but we got a couple of guys that have escaped the Angels and done pretty well here. Do you
3: think he and Albert just kind of look at each other and are like, Man, no we got out of there. No doubt
2: about it. So we get to the eighth inning. It's a 6-5 game, and Andrew Kisner, who already had a couple of RBIs, stepped in with Lars Newtbar, who had doubled at third base.
1: Or that, a base hit and the left. Kisner, three hit night. Three runs batted in. And a two-run lead for St. Louis.
2: That is called the old insurance run, and boy, did it come in handy because on Giovanni Gallegos' first hitter, Freddie Freeman hit one out of the ballpark to make it
1: 7-6, and Gallegos made it kind of, whoa, whoa, whoa.
3: A little
1: bit. (laughs) 3-0 pitch, swinging on 3-0, and a high fly ball into left center, and this should do it. Carlson is there. Cardinals hold on for a 7-6 win. They take game one of the three-game set against L.A.
2: And with that victory, the Cardinals move to 48 and 42 on the season. They're back in front of Philadelphia in the wild card standings. And they're still behind Milwaukee, who won again last night in the National League Central. But if you're the Cardinals at the moment, as you approach the All-Star break, you want to be in a playoff spot and you want to be within striking distance of the division, which is where they are.
3: Isn't it amazing how a couple days can change the, the yeah. way you feel about this team? I mean, last week we were talking about a terrible road trip and we were lamenting the Cardinals offense and starting pitching. And now... They've turned the corner. Some guys are starting to heat up. You're you're getting more effective innings from your pitching. Some guys like Miles Mikolas are finally getting run support. Mm-hmm. And to your point, you're feeling a little bit stronger as the Cardinals make that surge towards the All-Star break. Some guys are going to get healthy, some guys are going to get rested, and they're going to gear up for a the second half. And we know the Cardinals historically are a stronger second half team.
2: And tonight you have Adam Wainwright on the mound. And we talked to Adam yesterday afternoon. We'll hear from him at 930 Wednesdays with Waino. And he is going to go against the outrageous Tony Gonsolin, Michelle. He's 11-0 and with a 1.62. People talk about Clayton Kershaw starting in L.A. for the All-Star game. People talk about Sandy Alcantara. This is your All-Star starter right here tonight in St. Louis.
3: Pretty good. Pretty good. It's going to be an all-time matchup tonight. I'm really, I'm really looking forward to it.
2: I am not a huge fan of the stringy hair.
3: You don't like the look, huh? Not the the really. beard and the hair?
2: Yeah, not not really. Uh, but if it works for you, it works for you. It kinda so I, I could not pull it off.
3: It kind of gives me Forrest Gump when he went running for a really long time by Exactly,
2: yeah. 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 But you know
3: what? Forrest got it done.
2: And I just don't so know. So does Tony. Yeah, yeah, Forrest did, man. Run, he, Forrest, run. He ran
3: all the way across the country. He
2: was very impressed. He just
3: kept on running.
2: Yeah. And that's what the Dodgers want to do with Tony Gonsolin doing it for them. But I, mean, I can't imagine that it'd be very comfortable having, like, oily, stringy hair.
3: Well, I i mean, obviously, I don't know what it's like to have facial hair, but I can't imagine it's comfortable to have facial hair.
2: I can't either, no. And, and I know there's a lot of guys out there. My son has a, a big old beard, big bushy, former Ben Roethlisberger uh, the, uh, from... Uh, Yukon Cornelius from the Year Without a Santa Claus. He's got that kind of beard going. Doesn't look comfortable to me, but whatever floats your boat, I guess.
3: Looks like it'd be hot and itchy. Yeah.
2: Matthew, you you are not a uh, a beard a Yukon Cornelius beard guy, are you? No, <laughs> no, No,
4: not. I I couldn't grow I couldn't grow a beard if yeah, I tried I, I for can't a either. year. I am the definition nope. of a baby face. It's the worst thing in the world. <laughs> no, it's well, not. the worst thing is I can't grow my hair long. We talked about this last, like last week. I can't grow long hair because, like, you to be like an adult male and have like super long hair, you have to have fac- you have to have facial hair, or else it looks weird. And I could never, yeah. I can, I could never like walk in here like Marsh does with just like you know a great oh. Miles Michaelis impression like he did that one day, and it, it, it bothers yeah. me because every it morning. Day. And, I'm like, hey. and yeah. the worst part is my brother and my dad shave their mustache off a day later, full That'll thing back and. Can you oh,
3: imagine being a hockey me. player and you can't grow a playoff beard?
2: Oh, yeah, that would be really bad.
3: And let's say yeah. you win the Stanley Cup, and all your teammates, your peers, have these glorious playoff beards that really illustrate how can't long it took for them to get there, and you look like you just showed up.
2: Yeah. It'd be frustrating. Speaking of playoff beards, uh, Johnny Goodrow might be able to grow one in the future. Looks like he's on his way to the Flyers, the former Flame. Why does this affect you, we ask? This is kind of like, how it's like May sweeps. How does this affect you? Well, here's the thing. Johnny Goodrow and Matthew Kachuk are tight. (laughs) Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Uh Okay. The word has been that if Johnny Goodrow doesn't resign with the Flames, that uh, Matthew Kachuk is saying bye-bye. That's right. Whether it's this year or next. They're connected. It's it's, bye-bye. So, where's the natural spot for Matthew Kachuk to land?
3: I would imagine, Randy, a place where he feels comfortable, a place where he might already own a home, a place where he's got history, and a place where he has a chance to win. I'm talking about a little place called St. Louis, Missouri.
2: There you go. And I believe that the chess match has been going on for a long time here. I don't. This is not something that has been brewing over the course of a year. This is not something that's been bubbling to the surface over the course of two years. Matthew Kachuk is 24. I'm convinced this is something that's been bubbling for six or seven years. And there's been a plan, ever since Matthew Kachuk was in junior, to get him to St. Louis. And it looks like pieces are kind of falling into place, whether it's this year or next, for him to wind up as a member of your St. Louis Blues. Starting at right wing, wearing number 19, Matthew, Tommy Calhoun will say it. Matthew Kachuk!
3: (sighs) <sighs> yeah, yeah, Enterprise was wild. Yeah. Now, it does feel like the stars are aligning. It kind of does. And if anyone could force the stars to align, it is Doug Armstrong. Yes. Now, I still don't feel great about some of the casualties that might be at play here in order for the stars to align. Well, but once you get the word that Johnny Goudreau is out, yep. you know Matthew Kachuk might be... If he hasn't packed his bags yet, he's at least Googling moving companies.
2: And I I will say this, and one of those casualties very well could be number 57. Ugh, can't stand it. I can't either, but number 57 does have a choice here. This is not a one-way street, this is a two-way street, and we need to keep that in mind. If he departs, he's going to depart with an offer in his pocket from the St. Louis Blues. It's not just the Blues, he's making a decision too.
3: The, it, the latest reports do say that the door is open and that yeah. conversations are still ongoing. And I'm sure that he is going to have to make a really tough decision. But I hope that the Blues do offer him. And I hope that it's not one of those situations where they just say, we're not going to be able to afford you. We appreciate everything you've done. Good luck to you.
2: And Jr. mentioned yesterday that, to his knowledge, no formal offers had been exchanged. And if th- then shame on the Blues if they don't make a formal offer and he departs as a free agent. But I can't imagine that Tom Stillman would allow him to walk out the door without a formal offer.
3: This has got to be such a tough decision if you're David Perron. If you do get a formal Mm -hmm. offer from the Blues and it's far less than market value and you know that you could go elsewhere and probably cash in on the last big Mm -hmm. contract of your career, or you could stay in a place where you're, you're comfortable, your family's comfortable, where you know you have a chance to win. Maybe you have a new teammate and Matthew Kachuk that you know is going to really help elevate your, your team and your chances of winning. That's got to be a very, very difficult decision.
2: But because we,
3: he's been elsewhere. He knows yeah. that the grass is not greener. Right. That's and, why and he keeps coming back.
2: We never know what goes into this. And that's why I never begrudge a player that... Whether he's a 17-year-old picking a college, or whether he's a 37-year-old picking a new NHL team as a free agent, they're the only ones that know what's best for them. And if they do make those decisions, who am I to criticize? It's it's their life, it's not mine. What it doesn't affect my life, but it's, it's their life.
3: What about golfers who are taking hundreds of millions of guaranteed dollars from governments that may or may not have committed human rights atrocities? And I
2: think that's a different thing. When you go to work for somebody that you clearly know, is a scoundrel. Looking at you, L.A. Rams. Uh, <laughs> you, yeah, you, you
3: have... How did I know that was coming around somehow?
2: Yeah, you... <laughs> Matthew Stafford. At, at, at that point, you have
3: to... Have are you to, happy? Are happy? Are you proud of yourself? Do you feel good, Matthew Stafford? <laughs> Do you feel good about your choices? I'm sure he does, as he's... He kicked super people out of ring. their homes. He kicked old people out of their homes. If you also, are Matthew Stafford, you got a Super Bowl, you're now considered one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the league, you're living in sunshine and you escaped the Detroit Lions. Do you think he cares about what Sam Cronkis done? No, he doesn't. He has, definitely does not. He has
4: an entire commercial out there where he's trying to massage his guilt like with a T-Mobile commercial saying, you know, like trying to massage the fact that he left Detroit after all those good years. So I, I, I think he's a
2: little guilty. I think there's some residual guilt there. And I think we can put that commercial to bed. I've seen that enough. Well, Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Totally seen it enough. Pass. Uh, We're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Ask Uncle Randy. It is Wednesday. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780. If you have a question about the summer and about the weekend and about the uh, the great times that you're having, send us a text, Michelle.
3: One more thing. We cannot close this opening segment without acknowledging one of the greatest things we've seen this season. Albert Pujols not only hitting a home run, number 685, but hi- double, oh, high-fiving double high-fiving Nelly, Nelly yeah. was in the green seats on his way back to the dugout. What's more St. Louis than that?
2: That is totally st louis by the way todd thomas turned the microphone over to nelly for one of the games last night too between innings it was very cool
3: i saw that he someone had to guess the top three nelly songs right i saw that on social media but i saw on nelly's socials that he said that he told albert before the game you're gonna hit a home run and then he did
2: that's awesome it is that's pretty cool uh that's michelle i'm randy matthews here and ask uncle randy is next on 101 espn
0: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 65780. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN.
2: The text line is 65780, brought to you by Air Comfort Services. If you have a question for Uncle Randy, well, now's the time to ask. And Michelle has your questions for Ask Uncle Randy.
3: Question number one Yes, is from the 217. Dear Uncle Randy, I'm going to be out of town for a work conference on my wife and I's first wedding anniversary. Ouch. I'm also missing her first day of work as a dentist. Any ideas on a gift? Cousin Michelle, your opinion also valued. Thank you so much. Love the show. Wow
2: okay well obviously as uh, her first day of work as a dentist occurs you must have flowers delivered to the dentist area my suggestion would be that if you're going to be out of town for your first anniversary you better be back in town to take her somewhere for the weekend for your first anniversary weekend i would say that that is the play and there are things that you can't control i'm glad that you remember it but as far as a gift is concerned i would suggest that uh, you do one of two things number one just provide that great trip on the weekend after or secondarily make her a fabulous dinner and let her just relax after that first day and week of work
3: i also think that you could do a little advanced planning here. Like, let's say you get her a gift and maybe you write her a very nice card or something. You could always hide it somewhere in the house. Mm-hmm. And then you could call her on your anniversary and say, even though I'm not there, go into my shoe closet and look under this box and there's a little something for you.
2: That's a great idea.
3: Yeah, it's all, that's all romantic. It just some advanced planning.
2: Right. Good idea.
3: Yeah, because then she knows not Not only are you not here and that's a bummer, but You really thought about this before and you wanted to make sure that on the day something great happened
2: how can this not remind us of the late great chris duncan who forgot his first anniversary
3: (laughs) i love that story so much
2: (laughs) we're doing a remote actually at golf discount and uh it was on manchester the one when when they had the one on manchester and anthony is our producer and dunk says "Hey." Anthony, want to go get a beer after the show? Anthony says, yeah. So they go down and uh, they go to a place, I think, at Clarkson and Olive and have a beer there. And I think Dunk gets a text from Amy or maybe it was a phone call. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot. And so uh, she reminded him that it was their first anniversary. And there was a Best Buy right across the street. So Dunk went across the street and picked up like a laptop or an iPad for her on the way home. He'd forgotten the anniversary completely. But he had to race out the door. And, I love uh, that story. Leave his beer. Yeah, poor Amy.
3: Pretty <laughs> good gift, though. Yeah, wound up being pretty good. Pretty good makeup gift. Yeah. Uh, from the 618, pretty simple. Hankel Randy, my parents are out of town. What, what should I make for dinner tonight? Sounds like he's living at home with the peas. Okay.
2: Well, I need to know, and I hope uh, the parents have a grill out back. My recommendation would be that you stop by the Schnook's butcher shop and pick up a nice ribeye of the size that you w- could eat. I, I would get some green and yellow zucchinis and maybe a little bit of broccoli and some olive oil. And I would roast some vegetables on said grill. And here's the direction Uncle Randy is gonna go. So I've got my vegetables, I've got my protein. I'm going to uh, grab myself a, uh, and this is easy at Schnooks. just go by the frozen food department, get some tater tots, put some tater tots in the oven, And you've got a delicious meal. Stop by the bakery, get your favorite item from the Shooks Bakery, and you've got dinner set up. And then just pick up your drink of choice. Uh, I know a lot of people, Randy's not one of them because I'm not a drinker, but get yourself uh, some cold Bud Lights or Bush Light, which is hot beer right now, not literally hot. I mean, in terms of the best-selling beer right now, it's Bush Light. So, yeah, grab yourself a beer, have a steak, some tater tots, some roasted veggies, and you've got a great night on tap. And just uh, watch Cardinal Baseball.
3: From the 636, Dear Uncle Randy, if you could rant to Stan Kroenke in person, what would your opening line or statements be?
2: So I'm not a ranter, as you know. You're But not. My, my first line would be, you said on the day that you took control of the franchise that you were going to do your damnedest to keep the team in St. Louis. You'd say, yes. And I'd say you bought land and built a stadium by yourself without any help in los angeles yes what was your similar action to do your damnedest in St. Louis? Where did you buy the land and where did you plan to build the stadium? And why didn't it work when you built, brought that land and tried to build the stadium to do your damnedest to keep the team in St. Louis? I guess that would be kind of a rant.
3: Kind of. I could see your voice escalating.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's the most ridiculous thing is I didn't lie. Of course you lied. You told Bernie Mickless you were going to do your damnedest to keep the team in St. Louis. You didn't take the offer. You didn't do your damnedest because clearly you did something that was more difficult out in L.A. than you ever attempted here.
3: When I did rant to Stan Kroenke, well, I wouldn't call it a rant. It was a civil conversation. Uh, My opening line was, hi, Stan. I'm from St. Louis, and I really don't appreciate what you do with the Rams.
2: I think that's a great line. Great way to start.
3: I was never more excited to text Randy Carricker in my (laughs) life. Than I was at like 3.30 in the yeah, morning. Yeah,
2: the 3.30 text from Michelle. <laughs> I was saying, oh With uh-oh. the photo, with the photo. <laughs> yeah, <that> was
3: awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I raced back to my hotel room. I was like, Randy, you will not believe what just happened. I just confronted Stan Kroenke at a Barstool Sports Super Bowl party. Thank God I got the photo because no one would have believed that it happened.
2: And by the way, if ever there was a target demographic for Barstool, it's... Stan Kroenke.
3: That was one of the weirdest setups. And I feel like now I can really just air this out. So every cool young athlete was at the Barshall Sports Super Bowl party. Okay? Every cool young quarterback or cool young player was there. Because that's their demo. Um, Ashanti and Ja Rule were performing. and Two of Stan's favorites. Of course, naturally. Two of all of our favorites. Mm -hmm. And I was lucky enough to be up on the top section in the VIP area because... Um, I was there with Ryan Rossillo, Peter Rosenberg, Michael Jr. They're all friends with the Barstool guys. So Big Cat and PFT had worked with us. So we were up there. And that's kind of where the VIP area was. And all of a sudden, Steve Cerruti, my friend and co-worker, turns to me and says, I need you to stay calm. I need you to not freak out. But Stan Cronky is right behind us. And I was like, what? And I turn around. And at one of the VIP tables, it's Demoff. It's Sean McVay, it's Les Sneed. it's their guy Tony, I don't know what Best he did, steward, yeah. yeah, kind of their right-hand guy, it's Jared Goff, and it's Stan Kroenke, and I'm thinking, if you were Jared Goff, this looks like your parents have chaperoned you to the dance, mm-hmm. you can't show up without your bosses, you don't have any of your boys to kick it with, maybe this was something they requested, I don't know, but everybody else was in very chill, low-key gear, Stan's in some sort of awkward suit. He just looked so out of place he had to be the oldest person in the room by like 30 years there's
2: absolutely no doubt that he was
3: yeah it was uncomfortable um but it was a great night for me from the 314 Darren, uncle Randy and aunt michelle have you ever told one of your extremely terrible bosses to go blank themselves because they're making your life hell
2: i i've never done that and clearly that wouldn't have happened over the class last 13 and a half years 14 years because my bosses have been absolutely magnificent here But no, I never, ever did that to a boss.
3: I said to a boss once, it's very clear that you don't like me Mm -hmm. and you're trying to sabotage me. Why? Can you just tell me why? And then they freaked out. I didn't get an answer. Freaked out
2: in a defensive manner? Yes. Yes.
3: Um, But that was the closest I ever got to telling them to go blank themselves. Mm -hmm. It was basically me saying, I have all of this evidence. I know that you don't like me why what what have I ever done um so it was a it was a quick confrontation but not so much a go blank yourself yes. but you could tell in my tone that I meant go blank yourself
2: yeah the the two bosses that I had that I didn't like one of them I've, I've told the story already so I won't tell it again uh, a guy that never talked to me and then fired me and then there was a, a big boss like a general manager and I had two bosses that I liked in between her and me so I, I was never in a position to have to to deal with with her crap Like a lot of people were.
3: Well, that's good. Yeah. Because that's the worst. Dealing with a bad boss is the worst. We talked about this, I believe, a couple weeks ago on this very segment. You spend more time at work than you spend with most of the people in your life that you love. Right, yeah. And if you have a bad working environment or a bad boss, it's terrible.
2: Yeah. I I felt weird this morning because our boss, Tommy Mattern, sent us a survey for radio people. And I'm going through this survey, and it's about, you know... How do you feel about your like the, one of the questions was how's your stress level as opposed to a year ago uh the same different i feel more different i feel less uh and then there was another one but there was no i know i don't feel any stress answer and so that was one of the things i put out there so I, I i'm going through this thing and i'm answering honestly and everything's super positive i'm saying, i wonder if i'm like the the unicorn here if there if everybody else in radio is miserable and why are they asking the questions this way
3: I'm not miserable.
2: I'm not either. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I got it pretty good. I was going to say, but I think that we have it better than a lot of other people yeah. um, in radio in general. Yeah, I it think was a in, radio survey. In this building, we've got, we it, got pretty it pretty good. good. Yeah. Who, what do they say, the Harbaugh's? Who's got it better than us?
2: Yeah. Nobody. <laughs> All right, uh, what's coming up next, Michelle?
3: So we were going to talk a little tiger or a little blues, and that's good. We the question was going to be, what's the one thing you want Doug Armstrong to accomplish on the first day of free agency? And according to reports, he did something. We have some breaking blues news, and you don't want to get out of your cars because we're going to tell you what it is coming up next.
0: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers On 101 ESPN 101 ESPN Breaking News Alert
2: Alright, so Michelle, what do you got?
3: According to Frank Saravelli, who just tweeted this moments moments ago, he's hearing that the St. Louis Blues and Ford Robert Thomas are closing in on a long-term extension, expecting him to land in the neighborhood of eight years, $64 million when it's all done. And again, that's from Frank Saravelli of Daily Faceoff.
2: All right. So Robert Thomas scheduled to make $2.8 million this coming season. His cap number will stay that way. So the $8 million cap hit would start to apply when he was to become a restricted free agent agent after next season, for the 23-24 season. The Blues have Vladimir Tarasenko coming off the books after next season, if not before. David Perron, obviously, is not on the books right now, and you're going to have to, at some point, replace Tarasenko. You're going to have a guy that has won a con smythe trophy for you, has been your captain In Ryan O'Reilly, he's coming up next year at $7.5 million as well. I'll be very interested to see how this all works out, the puzzle that the Blues put together for 23-24, and obviously they're concerned about winning this season. But after next season, the cap will probably go up a couple of million dollars. The Blues are going to have a lot of players on the books and a lot of players coming up for free agency. After next year, Jordan Cairo will be a restricted free agent again. Barbashev will be an unrestricted free agent. Uh, Nadab will be an unrestricted free agent. Where you do have allocations, Michelle, is defensively, where Falk, Krug, and Pareko are all under contract for multiple years at six and a half million dollars. I'm very intrigued to see how the Blues put this together for 23-24, but I don't think they have much to worry about, because. I don't think they make this deal unless they know that A Vladimir Tarasenko is coming off the books for some reason or other or that they aren't going to bring back David Brown. But again, this won't affect their cap this year. I'm talking about a long-term contract. You aren't going to with the contract that you've just signed Robert Thomas to, according to Frank Saravelli, 8 years at 8 million dollars a year, there's only so many slots that you can give that big money to. And you won't be able to keep everybody. So uh, I, I'll say this right now, 23-24, you are not going to have O'Reilly, Tarasenko, Thomas, and... Peron under long-term contracts with the Blues. Not all four of those guys will be
3: here. This is the new wave. This mm-hmm. is not going to be your Stanley Cup champion 2019 St. Louis Blues anymore. Piece by piece have been broken off, but with this deal, that's a lot of bodies that you're going to have to say bye-bye yep. to with this money. But the first thing that I thought of, Randy, when I saw this, is all roads lead to Matthew Kachuk. Yep. We know the relationship that Robert Thomas and Matthew Kachuk have with one another. We know how badly they would like to play together again, and that's the very first thing that I thought is, if you're locking up Robert Thomas for this long and for this amount of money, you must be thinking that he's going to have Matthew Kachuk right there with him. And they are going to be the, the new faces and the new leaders of your St. Louis Blues. And
2: again, if you go back to 2016 and then look ahead just a couple of years down the road, let's look ahead to 2024. So in the space of eight years, the Blues will have gone, if we're correct about this. But let's leave... Uh, Matthew Kachuk out of the mix and just put Jordan Cairo in the mix. Okay. You will have gone to a nucleus that included David Backus and uh, let's go back a year before that. Let's go to 2015. David Backus, TJ Oshie, Alexander Steen, mm-hmm. Alex Petrangelo, Kevin Shattenkirk. That was essential. And, and Brian Elliott. You will have moved to a nucleus that won a Stanley Cup four years after that with And by the way, Tarasenko was a 2015 Nucleus guy, too. But you you will have moved to one that had O'Reilly and Peron and still Alexander Steen and Tarasenko and Pareko and Bomeister and Shen. And then you'll move four years after that. Let's look at 2023. So you've gone from one Nucleus to another in four years. Four years after that, you're probably looking at Thomas Kairu, Butchnevich, still Pareko, Justin Falk, Bennington, Without the benefit of having top five draft picks, Doug Armstrong will have changed a quality nucleus over twice, from the, the 15 team to the 19 team to the 23 team, so... 15 to 19, 19 to 23, and still had a really talented nucleus. That's a hard thing to do in today's NHL, to to change the nucleus and never have to go to the bottom of the standings like the Blackhawks are doing.
3: Yeah, it is really difficult to do, but this one's tough for me, Randy, because as impressive as Robert Thomas was this past season and as great as we know Matthew Kachuk is and is going to be if, in fact, he does come to the Blues, and that's still a big if, mm-hmm. even though we're all kind of seeing the the picture take shape here. That's a lot of people that have been very productive for you and have been not only great leaders off the ice, but on the ice too, that you're saying goodbye to no Vladimir Tarasenko, assumably no David Perron. You're telling me that this deal and potentially the deal to bring in Matthew Kachuk could mean that you have to say goodbye to Ryan O'Reilly. That's a tough pill for me to swallow. It just it is, and I understand that Doug Armstrong is thinking about the future and he's positioning the Blues to not only have the window open to win a Stanley Cup next year but for years to come. And I really appreciate that and he's had so much success doing it. But I do think there's something to be said about having those guys in your organization that have been through the battles before and that who uh, who can pass pass the baton down to the younger guys.
2: But 2023 will be four years beyond 2019. And I always go back to The Greatest Show on Turf. And as much as we love The Greatest Show on Turf, the worst thing that happened was the Rams falling in love with them emotionally and thinking that Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce and Orlando Pace and Marshall Fall could still play. And by the way, the two guards, uh, when they were past their physical prime, they just weren't capable of playing at that level anymore. What the Blues are doing is getting ahead of the game. They're going to Use the old branch Ricky theory, better to get rid of a guy a year too early mm-hmm. than a year too late.
3: And maybe I'm just subscribing to the Tom Brady, Adam Wainwright theory where players are able to extend their careers now because of treatment mm-hmm. and medicine and the way that they care for their bodies. And I look at the fact that David Prawn and Ryan O'Reilly were your two best players last year and particularly in the playoffs. Well,
2: here's the choice you have to make though, Michelle. Are, are you going to let Robert Thomas walk so that you can keep guys in their 30s? He's 23.
3: It's a tough decision. And this is why Doug Armstrong can do it and I can't. Because I I don't know if I could let Ryan O'Reilly out the door. What more could you have ever asked for in a captain than what you got from Ryan O'Reilly? And I know David mm-hmm. Backus was the same scenario. Yep. What could you have asked? Could you have ever gotten more out of David Backus? We always assume that if the Blues ever hoisted a cup, it would be mm-hmm. on, on David Backus, that was the first guy to do it because he was that great of a captain. So I understand. I understand that you don't want to hang around at the party too long. You always want to be the one to to leave and, and pop to the next thing. But still, this one, this is hard, hard for me. I don't know. For many reasons.
2: Well, the great thing about sports is that we build emotional attachments to players and teams. And it, that's... It's, with the, with a the salary cap in the, in the in the salary cap era, that's where this is headed. You can't keep everybody.
3: I just really hope that all roads do lead to Matthew Kachak. I do too.
2: I hope they do too. Because it
3: seems like a lot of money for one player. Yep.
2: If the consolation prize is that you keep Jordan Kyrou, who had seventy five points in seventy four games, that's not a bad thing here either. If you are starting with Thomas Kyrou and Butchnevich up front, you got a pretty good start.
3: True. And even though Jordan Kyrou is an all-star, and I know he's a young player that's still developing, there were times in the playoffs, Randy, where he was invisible, where you were wondering mm-hmm. where Jordan Kyrou was. I can't say that about David Prawn or Ryan O'Reilly.
2: Well, you could about David Perron early in his career when he was 24, though. Maybe. And Ryan O'Reilly wasn't even making the playoffs when he was 24.
3: But I'm talking about if I want to win next year.
2: Well, those guys will be here next year, but the the problem is... Well, David Prawn uh, might it, not. Well... It, it, the problem is signing those guys to multi-year contracts. If you could have them all under one-year deals next year, that would be a different story altogether. But if you sign O'Reilly and Peron to four- and five-year contracts, then that is going to preclude you from keeping people like Thomas and, and and Cairo on the roster for the long term.
3: Do you also think this signals that a Vladimir Tarasenko announcement is imminent?
2: I, I can't imagine that it wouldn't be. I can't imagine that the Blues can go through this offseason with the cap space they have and not move Vladimir Tarasenko. And, yeah, I think that everything points to that being the case. That's Michelle. I'm Randy again. Frank Valley reporting that the Blues and Robert Thomas have come to an agreement on an eight-year, $64 million contract. If you've done your multiplication tables and you still remember them, eight times eight is 64. <laughs> so it's $8 million a year, which would make him the highest-paid player in St. Louis Blues History Take it or leave it Is coming up next On 101 ESPN
0: We're right back To the character And Smallman podcast Presented by Dobbs Tire And Auto Centers On 101 ESPN Take it
2: Time for Take it or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Matthew, Michelle, and Randy. And Michelle, building upon what we talked about in the last segment, we both speculated that Vladimir Tarasenko uh, looks like he's headed out the door. Take it or leave it on this first day of NHL free agency that starts at 11 a.m. this morning. Vladimir Tarasenko is not a blue by midnight tonight. I'll take that. I will, too.
3: I would imagine, I keep refreshing my Twitter feed, Randy, because I'm imagining we're going to get news maybe even before the show is over.
2: I I would think that that's a a distinct possibility
3: because as you mentioned if the Robert Thomas deal and again for those who haven't heard it Robert Thomas according to Frank Saravelli, what is it eight years 64 million long-term extension Mm -hmm. um if that news is leaking out, there's already other other things that have seemingly fallen into place. So yeah. it's just a matter of time before a reporter gets a hold of it, and then it gets to us.
2: Right. And one of the things that has fallen into place, if you didn't hear last night, Johnny Goodrow has informed the Flames that he will not be returning to Calgary. And oh, by the way... New Blues assistant coach Craig McTavish refers to it as Calgary as well. Love that. Good to have that. But uh, Johnny Hockey is no longer going to be a flame. He's from Philly, and there's been speculation about the Flyers or the Devils signing Johnny Hockey.
3: Also, Emily Kaplan tweeting that Jack Campbell going to Edmonton for roughly five years, $5 million, <laughs> and now there's a serious scramble for backup goalies, and she's been told that Charlie Lindgren, also known affectionately as Chucky Sideburns, Chucky. is getting a ton of interest around the league
2: yeah good for him he's bounced around a little bit and uh, never gotten a shot at the NHL level so I hope he does John Campbell at 5 million or Jordan Bennington at 6
4: Jack Campbell oh, Jack, Jack, Campbell's Jack Campbell it's not John Campbell my five that's, that's the award yeah. um, oh,
2: that's the award name well um, and that's the Huso the, the Huso getting four and a half. yeah with Bennington getting 6 Jack Campbell to get yeah his the contract
4: his looks even better
2: the Bennington contract yeah, yeah. Oh, 6 yeah. million for no Bennington no, over no. 5 yep. for Campbell yeah. I love that absolutely
3: okay Randy Albert Pujols hitting another home run last night, uh, number 685. He was inches away the night prior from getting one, too. He could have had home runs in back-to-back games. Take it or leave it, Albert hits two home runs before the All-Star break.
2: I'm to take that. We got the Reds coming into town, don't we?
3: Bingo. And
2: it's not like the Reds have terrible pitching, and, and they have played better since a horrific start. But yeah, I'm going to say that uh, he gets another against the Doyers and then he'll hit one over the weekend, yeah.
3: He's feeling it. He's getting ready for the the home run derby. Mm-hmm. I could see him notching two more before we take the break.
2: Okay, so Michelle, the Blues are at 90 games played. They have 72 left. Take it or leave it. Albert gets 15 in the final 72 games.
3: Oh, take. It's happening.
2: Okay, I like it.
3: Do Are you taking? 700. No, I'm not. You don't think he's getting to 700?
2: Uh, not this year, no.
3: I think he's going to do I it. I guess ever. Okay. Yeah. Should we put the this to the wheel? Yeah, I will. Okay. Because so I you're... think he's going to get there. Okay, good. I like this. That,
4: that was actually going to be one of our first wheel competitions was we were all going to put down a number for Albert Pujol's final total at the end of the season. Whoever's the furthest off mm-hmm. loses and has to spin the wheel. Okay. Good deal. I think Michelle's going to be the one who puts it at 701 or something.
2: And I don't, I, think... I don't think I have the guts to put it at 700 or 701. And we should note, by the way, speaking of the Cardinals playing 90 games, the Baltimore Orioles have played 88 and they're 44 and 44. Congratulations to the St. Louis Browns. They're they're five 500. Nobody saw that
3: coming. No, they didn't. I read something, uh, I believe yesterday, that they are the most lucrative bet in gambling right now, the Orioles. Oh, I
2: bet they are. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, your text 65780. Matthew, what do we got? It's National French Friday.
4: Take it or leave it. Unlike Rocky Road Day, there can be no controversy that McDo- McDonald's is
2: the best, is the goat of fries. I no think that's there. safe. I, what I always look for is somebody who can compete with McDonald's fries. And the waffle fries at Chick fil A are terrific. Outstanding. I would say that tied for first. Uh, the, the curly fries at Arby's are really, really good. Pretty good. But i'm always looking for a challenger that's the thing okay what's as good as the mcdonald's fry so i think by consensus mcdonald's fry probably is the goat it's the salt yeah
3: the salt the shape the size yeah if you get them piping hot even better Mm -hmm. i i would go i haven't been to mcdonald's in a minute but i imagine that their fries stand the test of time
4: yeah yeah the fries are still absolutely incredible rallies has a good Contender. I, I, have have not a, not I love been a season for
2: rallies fry. in forever. There's one across the street from Slough. So my son Patrick went to that one a lot.
4: Mm
3: hmm.
2: But i haven't been to rallies in forever i love a seasoned fry i
4: don't the, know if
3: i've ever been to rallies curly
4: waffle straight cut if it's if it's got a kind of like a red tinge to it i'm eating that fry. yeah
3: wendy's fries are pretty good too they
4: are they, they always do salt a good them job, sometimes yeah. though sometimes i'm gonna be like can you go like mm-hmm. no salt because they're so heavy on them but man they are good that's that sea salt and it's happy delicious. national
2: friday too and happy national
4: friday
3: i hope everyone partakes they observe uh, this great holiday it's a big
4: day for our,
2: our friends down at the very end of the hall tma yeah big day true for them. now i don't know if this is fair because it's really kind of, it, it's fries and tots. It's not apples and oranges, it's fries and tots. But are the tots at Sonic eligible for this competition? No. Okay.
3: Because tots are not fries.
2: I didn't think so either. Some people do put, because they are fried potatoes, some people yeah, put Yeah, still them in the in potato family, but no. I don't either. I'm with you.
3: Totally separate entity as far yeah. as I'm concerned.
2: I'm with you.
4: Take it or leave it. Wayno will pitch at least seven innings with six strikeouts, no earned runs tonight. I'm going to leave that.
3: Which part? The no arm runs. runs. Yeah.
2: yeah, Dodgers have the number one offense in the league.
3: He'll go seven, though.
2: Yeah, he
1: will. Okay. All right. Maybe,
2: well, after you, the bullpen the game last trackers. night, you wore out the bullpen. This is what he does. Yeah, the, the, This is who Wayno is. He's going to provide innings.
3: And you'll take, hear from him later in the show.
2: Yes, you will at 9.15. Uh,
4: take it or leave it. If Tarasenko never, Tarasenko never wants to leave St. Louis, if he gets the C on his shirt a couple of seasons ago.
3: I'll okay. leave. I'll I'm going to leave
4: that. Oh, oh! hold on a second.
2: Yeah. yeah. I'm going to take it.
3: I'm going to leave it because I think the injury stuff, If I'm just assuming that the sea is the only part of history we are rewriting here. I think the injury stuff still would have been problematic for him.
2: I, I and would, imagine the pressure
3: yeah. that would have come if he was injured that much while he w- was wearing the sea.
2: Yeah, but I don't think as a captain, I don't think that he would have demanded a trade. Uh, I think that he would have been very content even with the injury issues being the perceived leader of the franchise. Perceived? Yeah. Well uh, a hockey player told me a long time ago, he said, hey, some guys wear the C, but in the room we all know who the leaders are. And they don't always wear the C.
3: I would say that David Braun is a leader it's that a doesn't perfect wear a C. Example,
2: perfect
4: <laughs> example. Yeah. Take it or leave it in Army We Trust. Take it.
3: I'm taking it, but... The, Michelle, you paused! I'm not feeling great today. Doug, I know you're listening in between deals, and we love you. We support you. But this one's tough for me.
2: This is the essence of... It's a tough of, day for me. This is the essence of why we love sports. Because we are emotionally attached.
3: It's It's, yes, emotionally attached to people, but I am also looking at a team that... If their goaler hadn't been knocked out, could have potentially hoisted the cup this year. And I'm thinking about parts that are getting getting dismantled from that crew left and right. And I'm wondering what the carcass is going to look like when it's all said and done. And if they're going to be as good. See, I want to cover a good hockey team.
2: I do, too. And I guarantee you, with Thomas and Kyrou and Butchnevich and Pareko and Justin Falk and Bennington, they're going to be a good hockey team. I'm not worried about that at all. Now, are they going to be younger? Yes. The the One tenant of Doug Armstrong's career as the general manager of the Blues is that the team always gets younger and he's looking to the future he, he he's always thinking about it's chestnut not checkers he's thinking about the moves three years down the road and we're looking at right now
3: true and I'm looking at right now thinking that this team could do it next year and I just wonder if you can get it done, if you're missing all of the production that's likely walking out the door. And the leadership, mind you.
4: Yeah. She just really wants David Perrin back on the blues. Yeah.
3: I'm worried about Vladimir Tarasenko not being there either.
4: A lot of points, top, but... Top mm-hmm.
3: points? Yeah. I mean, yeah. There's, there's a lot at stake here, guys. I'm just saying.
4: Take it or leave it, Thomas and Kachuk long term would mean no Cairo.
2: Well, I would think that if you're going to get Matthew Kachuk, that Jordan Kyrou would have to be part of a deal to get Matthew Kachuk. He'll be the centerpiece, I guess. Probably. I would think that that would mean no Kyrou. And let's not dismiss the idea that Doug Armstrong said just last week that he thinks that within two years, Neighbors and Bolduc are going to be top six guys. Now, Doug Armstrong also said several years ago that it wouldn't break his heart if in a couple of years lose top two centers were Zach Sanford and Tage Thompson and that never really came to pass either but this is what he's saying right now
4: that would have been bad uh, take it or leave it the Cardinals add to some of that pristine Gonsolin ERA and get his first loss 6-3 Redbirds 6-3 six 6-3 three. Six three. I'm, I'm
3: leaving 6-3
2: somebody's going to hit into a 6-3 but they aren't winning 6-3 I mean, yeah. Way knows that to three no
4: runs. No
3: way, come on.
2: Oh, oh, yeah. That's the
4: the. How, what's the? What are the Dodgers' uh, average runs allowed per game? Uh, just, uh, uh, I think it's three point it two seven, just over three. Yeah. yeah, so you know, six runs with this offense—that's easy. Why not? Yep. Let's get one more. Take you, it or leave it. The Blues GM should be the Cardinals GM, and we all be a lot happier. I don't
3: know. They both have put together a, a pretty good run of sustained success. Hmm.
2: Yeah, but do we not
3: forget that Mo brought in Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado? Do we not forget that? I mean, it's people really just hate that guy. I
2: can't. Yeah, well, Michelle, I get, I get why they they don't like those trades because they, you could have Carson Kelly right now, ready to replace Molina. You could, if 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 you make that trade, you wouldn't have all these issues with starting pitchers if Austin Gomber were here. People are just down, uh, and I get it why they're down on those deals.
3: Shout out to Austin Gombar. Yes. Haven't heard that name in a minute.
2: There you go. So he he'd be ready to start now for the the Cardinals if if they hadn't made those stupid deals for Arenado and Goldie. Uh, that's Michelle and uh, that's Matthew and I'm Randy. And that was facetious. As I hope I hope people understand that. the
3: sarcasm font.
2: Yeah, because people only focus on a couple of trades. They don't focus on the ones where you brought in Arnauto and Goldie, right? Some people, not, not everybody, some people. Uh, Cardinals did win last night over the Dodgers, but it was scary. And what's that mean for tonight? That's next on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN perspective on the day's biggest stories. Its character and Smallman's fresh tea.
3: Brought to you by Schnuck's Rewards. It pays to shop at schnooks. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today.
2: It's 8.08 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. That's Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker. And Michelle, we spent yesterday's show saying that Matthew Libertor would be the Cardinals starter last night. And then late in the afternoon, the Cardinals changed their thought process and they decided to start Jordan Hicks, who is no stranger to starting. He went an inning in two-thirds. He allowed one hit, struck out three, and walked one, and threw 38 pitches manager Ali Marmol on jordan hicks who got the start last night for the cardinals and pitched very well
5: Hicks was good slider was off i think he was two for 11 with it so he's landing that it's a it's a different look um but uh, a lot of pitches because of it the walks um but sinker was good It played below was there it's a matter of landing the, the slider in order to give hitters a different look
2: so, Hixey goes 38 pitches in his inning in two thirds. Oviedo comes on, throws 37 pitches. Junior Fernandez, or Libertor came on, he was the Cardinal third pitcher, threw 44 pitches. Then Junior Fernandez threw 17. I'm getting to a point here. Okay. Uh, Packy Naughton threw 14 pitches. You'd think that he would be available tonight. Helsley threw 13, and then Gallegos in his. Rocky inning through 23 pitches. My point about the bullpen start is that the Cardinals used an awful lot of innings last night. And I would think that in tonight's game, they'll have Naughton and Helsley available, but probably not Gallegos. And you'll have Cabrera back and available. And if you get into a situation for TJ McFarland, you you get into a situation for TJ McFarland. But my, my point is, is how does last night affect tonight? It really puts a premium on... Adam Wainwright turning in that seven-inning performance we were talking about.
3: And don't you have all the confidence in the world that he'll go out there and execute and get it done? And I'm sure that that was part of their thought process is, oh, we know we have Waino coming up the next day, so we can experiment with this. We can use the opener concept because we like that matchup better. We don't want Libertor facing those right-handed batters at the outset, so we can go ahead and shape this the way we want, knowing that we have that much confidence in Adam Wainwright the next day to go deep into the game.
2: Another question that I have and I will have for the Cardinals is what sort of confidence do they have in Gallegos now? That was his fifth home run allowed last night, the Freddie Freeman home run, in just over 30 innings. You've got Cabrera. Now, he wasn't available last night. You've got Cabrera down there. Guess lefties or righties, I'm more comfortable... Obviously, you want Helsley to be the guy in the ninth Sure, inning. but if it's not Helsley to get the 27th out or the winning out, I'm more comfortable right now with Hennessy's Cabrera than I am with Gallegos. Where do you fall?
3: Um, I'm pretty much the same way just because of the home runs, but to your earlier point, I would think that it would be if he's available. Ryan Helsley, he's the guy, obviously, all-star, um, but Again, looking at last night, Randy, the the big takeaway for me is not only that the offense continues to crank it out, but what a big-time moment for Packy Naughton. I mean, this guy really thrives in high-pressure situations. Mm-hmm. We're talking about guys that we have confidence in. I don't know if my confidence meter swung uh, one way or the other on anybody more than it has in Packy Naughton in, in recent games.
2: And I complained about him, and I think it was fair, when the Cardinals put him in a situation that he's probably not— perfect for or not even good for and that is as a starter this year but as a reliever he's been outstanding if uh, you look at what he's been able to accomplish out of the bullpen so far and I'm trying to get my computer to work and it's giving me all kinds of trouble here so
3: is mine I Uh, wonder if it's the internet oh that that tends to happen here sometimes the internet will just drop out for no reason yeah it's not great
2: so anyway his ERA is well below one out of the bullpen and it's 10.5 as a starter, and he's a guy, another guy, and he did get the last out of an extra inning game on the road last week that I feel supremely confident in when the Cardinals bring him in now. And another positive check mark for John Mozalek, by the way.
3: Yeah, good point. Really good point. Now, um, an old familiar feeling of confidence has creeped up in all of us, and that's about number five, Albert Polholes, who seems to have really clicked back into place. Home run last night. He's... He's really looked like vintage Albert over the past couple games, Randy.
2: And they have no qualms about starting him against right-handed pitching. And he says that there was something that he found in Atlanta when the Cardinals were there. It was something that he was doing wrong, but now his hands are positioned differently. And it's not going to be old Albert. It's not going to be 2001 through 2011 Albert but this guy's pretty good and he's always a threat and as we mentioned if we expect him to do something that causes damage the other team expects him to do something that causes damage too
3: yeah because you know that the preparation is there you know that he's watching video scouting the opposing pitcher all that's been there if he's made a tweak physically or something with his stance or his hand placement that allows that swing to be more fluid Mm -hmm. and and look like old albert combined with all of the knowledge that you know he has watch out i i said earlier in the show i think he's going to hit two home runs before the all-star break
2: and i'll be interested to see against a hard-throwing right-hander like Gonsolin tonight if the Cardinals will start him. His numbers against right-handers still leave a lot to be desired, but like you said, he he feels like he's got something going here. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, the Open is set to get underway tomorrow, and Tiger Woods took a shot at guys who left for the LIV. That's next on Carriker and on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
5: These players are doing for you know, guaranteed money. Um, what, what is the incentive to practice? What is the incentive to go out there and earn it in the dirt? You're just getting paid a lot of money up front and playing a few events and playing 54 holes. They're trying to playing blaring music and have all these um, atmospheres that are different. I, I just don't see, you know, of 54 holes. I mean, you know, I, I can understand 54 holes is almost like a mandate when you get to the senior tours. The guys are a little bit older, a little more banged up, but you're at a young age and somebody's Kids, there really are kids, you know, who have gone from amateur golf in, into that organization. 72-hole tests, you know, are, are part of it. I mean, we used to have 36-hole playoffs for major championships. You know, that's, that's how it used to be. 18-hole um, U.S. Open playoffs. You know, that's, I just don't see how that, that move is, is positive in the, in the long term.
2: Tiger Woods on LIV, and he said yesterday that LIV golfers have turned their back on what got them to where they are. I thought it was interesting, Michelle, just to go back to one little snippet of what he said. He said the seniors tour where guys are older or banged up uh-huh. well what do you have with Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau and Phil Mickelson you have guys that are older and banged up the guys that would be waiting to get on the seniors tour or just don't have the physical ability now because they are banged up to play on a week-to-week basis those are the guys that are going for the guaranteed money on the live tour and Tiger could not be more right this is a guy where that's a great point that i haven't thought of you play eight events and you're guaranteed the money what is the incentive for practice and this is a guy who when he was planning the multi-million dollar house in jupiter florida mm-hmm. was sitting with his agent and his architect at his home in orlando they're working on plans for the new home where he's going to live yeah it's raining outside and after a couple hours he says You guys handle this. I got to go outside and practice. Exactly. In the rain. Exactly. And so that's what he was preparing for was to win at golf. These guys don't have to prepare to win at golf. They're winning financially, but they're in different spheres in terms of their competitive level and their apparent desire to be the best that they can possibly be on the golf course.
3: Not everyone is built like Tiger Woods or is in the same circumstances as Tiger Woods. How many guys in any sport would want to try to come back from some of the things Tiger Woods has come back from? Whether it's the back or the knee or the the car crash or everything that he dealt with from a a personal life standpoint that became a public Mm -hmm. uh, saga, really. How many people have the motivation, like Tiger Woods does, to grind and rehab and train? I mean, this was a guy that in his off time was doing navy seal training drills yeah. because he loves the work and he loves putting himself in the best position to to win and compete, not everybody has that gear. It's like Kobe Bryant when Phil Jackson said to him, you're being so hard on your teammates, they don't have the same gear that you have. So what your 7 is, is their 10. You're going to have to realize that at some point. So of course it's hard for Tiger Woods to understand why some guys would just take the money and run. Tiger Woods has also made a billion dollars in his career. He never has to worry about taking guaranteed money because he's been so successful from not only a golf standpoint but from a branding and um, endorsement standpoint that he never has to consider that. He can always put his competitive desires before his financial ones because he's made so much money. So, of course, Tiger Woods is going to come out and say that he doesn't agree with it and that he doesn't think that this is the right decision for these guys.
2: I it's the wonder, antithesis though, of
3: everything that Tiger Woods yeah, is.
2: I, I, yeah, because I think at his core, even, like you said, he was in a car accident where he almost lost a leg and he wants to compete. At his core, I believe that Tiger Woods is a competitor. I think he wants to beat other people at golf. rather uh, Not that the money isn't a big deal to him. But I get the sense that he'd rather earn that money by beating other guys.
3: I think the money is just uh, residue from what comes from the competition. You know, we, we read that... Uh, Did you ever finish the Tom Brady, uh, Bill Belichick book? It's better to be feared. So in the book, Tom Brady talks about how there's something off inside of him Mm -hmm. that he is so competitive and so driven in his quest to be the best. And he can't turn it off. And he says it's something that's just deeply rooted inside him. And he's not only competing against everyone else, he's competing against himself. And that it's something that plagues him and that keeps him going all the time. Very few people in Mm -hmm. life have that gear. Michael Jordan had it. Tiger Woods had it. Kobe Bryant had it. Tom Brady has it. But they're on the tippy top of the upper echelon of athletes that we talk about. Think about how many legendary and epic athletes that have competed that are below them that have no fi- no problem mm-hmm. walking away or have no problem taking the money and going into a what might be a lesser situation for them from a competitive standpoint because they can read the room and they understand that their career is finite. Not everybody is built like Tiger. And I think people have their reasons for chastising the live guys, whether it's the money grab or it's working with the Saudis or it's the competition thing. But Tiger Woods is kind of an outlier here because I in no way expected him to ever understand why guys wouldn't want to
2: compete. And I want to touch on a couple of other things here. Number one, I thought it was really interesting that he brought up the blaring music because we all remember the fury that we saw with Tiger when a camera would click while he was addressing the golf ball. So if he gets that mad when everybody isn't completely quiet and a camera clicks, can you imagine what it would be like for him if music was blaring no. on the course? No. There's no way he would abide that. And the other thing is he did seem to show A little bit of care and compassion for guys that don't know what they're doing. The amateurs who are going right to the live tour and don't understand what competing against the best in the toughest circumstances is. Playing 72 holes and then playing an 18-hole playoff on a broken leg at Torrey Pines, Mm -hmm. which he's the only one that did that. But, you know, playing uh, a Sunday in the rain and the elements at the at St. Andrews, where it's just ugly, and you don't want to do it, but that's how you prove that you're the best that ever was. And these guys are never going to get that opportunity to do that.
3: And they might not even want that.
2: Right? Yeah. Which is
3: it's about the desire. They yeah. might not even at this stage of their lives and their careers they might not even want that. Yeah, it's or you know what? A guaranteed hundred million dollars plus might change what you want well, and what it, your desires it, it's, are. It,
2: it's different motivations, and I. I'm motivated by money, but I'm also motivated by being the best that I can possibly be. And I don't think the live guys, and I'm sure the young amateur guys can't understand it, they can't be the best that they can possibly be if they aren't playing against the best that are out there. So the money is great, but if you want to be thought of or play against or beat the best, then you have to play against the best, and those guys are on the PGA Tour.
3: But some of those guys have already won their trophies and their green well, jackets and they're probably thinking I've already proven that I can win against the best and at this stage in my career i understand that the injuries play a yep. factor and that why wouldn't I just take this money i've already if i'm if I'm Dj I'm saying I've already won a masters yeah. what is ever going to top that for every me every
2: single one of those players the established star players who are ranked in the top 25 30 of the world some of them higher some of them you know right at that line, But they're all damaged goods. Kepka's damaged goods, DeShambo's damaged goods, Phil's damaged goods, DJ's damaged or older goods. They aren't in their prime anymore. And I would guess recognized, okay, I'm not going to win a whole lot more. With with people like Rory still doing what he's doing, with Morikawa doing what he's doing, with Shoffley playing out there, Justin Spieth, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas. There's a lot of guys out there that are a lot younger than me that are going to be winning for a long time. So why not take the money and run?
3: And and only one guy is trying to be the best and to to get the most uh majors in history and that's Tiger Woods. So mm-hmm. of course he can't understand doing this because he's his idea of greatness and the quest that he's on is Vastly different than these other guys
2: right? I do think Rory has the same attitude Just not the same skill (laughs) set Rory would love to be in that position But a long slump But I give Rory a lot of credit For wanting to compete against the best Michelle, Randy, and the fight Coming your way next on 101 ESPN
0: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers On 101 ESPN Welcome to the Character and Smallman. In the red corner, Average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker.
3: It's time for the hump day edition of the fight on Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. And. We say that Randy's going to go up against average Joe listener, and we do have a Joe with us today. But I think he's a little bit more than average. Would you describe yourself that way, Joe?
0: Uh, no, definitely not average.
3: <laughs> okay, where would you put yourself on the on the spectrum there, from average to elite?
2: Um, I think it depends on what we're talking about.
3: That's fair. Well, what about sports trivia?
2: Good answer. Uh, pretty good. Again, it kind of depends on what we're talking about. I like all all sports.
3: Okay, well, are you a baseball guy?
2: I love baseball.
3: Well, good. You're in luck today. We have four baseball questions.
2: Play baseball at Pacific High School. So shout out to Indian.
3: Oh, shout out to Pacific. All right. Well, Joe, are you ready to take on Megamind?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Okay, question number one for Joe. Good luck to you. What other National League team is tied with the Cardinals for the second most retired numbers in Major League Baseball behind the Yankees with 14? Is it the Reds, the Giants, or the Dodgers?
2: Let's go Dodgers.
4: Pujols has now hit 20 home runs against 17 different franchises. He passed what player with that mark? Is it Prince Fielder, Mark McGuire, or Ken Griffey Jr.?
6: Let's go Griffey.
3: Happy birthday to Yadier Molina. How many times has Yadier hit over 300 in a season? Three, four, or five?
1: Four.
4: And Ryan Ludwig had a career year with the Cardinals in 2008, earning both an All-Star selection and the Silver Slugger at the right field spot. How many home runs did he hit that year? Was it 32, 35, or 37? 37.
3: We have confirmed the score, and we're trying to wave in Randy, who is...
4: I bet he's working the phones for free agency. Deep in his phone. I bet he's working here the phone for free agency. He's going to walk in here with the Tarasenko trade.
3: Probably not. <laughs> he's got the Diet Dr. Pepper working today, though. I do, yeah.
2: Hold on here one second.
3: Oh, what'd you drop? Oh, a piece of paper. Yeah. Okay, Randy, say what's up to Joe.
2: Joe, I was just actually texting with Joe Buck about huh? the uh, Robert Thomas contract. So, oh. hi, good morning, Joe. How you doing? close. Good, good. Thank you.
3: And good. what's Mr. Buck's take?
2: Uh, We're both of the opinion, bye-bye, 91.
3: Yes, correct. I I would also deduce that 91 is out the door. Very
2: heartfelt goodbye there, Randy.
3: Uh, RK, you ready to go? Ready. Question number one. What other National League team is tied with the Cardinals for the second most retired numbers in Major League Baseball behind the Yankees with 14?
2: 14. Okay. Um, Let's see. The Giants don't have a ton... The Dodgers, surprisingly, don't have a ton. Um, let's see. Cardinals. Well, it's got to be one of the older franchises. The Cubs don't have many. Um, I think the, the Reds have something like 10. I think the Dodgers have something like 10. Who else would have 14? Pirates don't have that many. Braves? I'll oh, do the Lifeline.
3: Reds, Giants, Dodgers
2: it's Giants Dodgers Um, I will say the Giants well they are just retired Will Clark's number so they have 24 retired they have 25 retired they have 44 retired they have 27 retired Um, maybe I should do this in chronological order (laughs) rather than just kind of wading through Well, give me those three teams again.
3: Reds, yeah. Giants, Dodgers.
2: I I guess I'll go Giants, although it doesn't seem like they have that many, but they just retired twenty-two. They've been doing it a lot lately. They never retired Lincecum, by the way. But Willie, Barry, McCovey, Marischal, um, Will Clark, uh so I uh, and they've got a couple managers that they've retired. So I'll, I'll go with the Giants.
4: Pujols now has 20 homers against 17 different franchises. What player did he pass with that mark? So, What player had 20 home runs against 16 different franchises?
2: So it would be a player that played in both leagues and hit a hot, lot of home runs in both leagues. Um, So he's got... Can you repeat that question again? Pools now has 20 homers runs, against, 17 against 17 different, different franchises. franchises. What player did he okay, pass? So it's a lot of time in both leagues. And uh, not Ruth, not Aaron, not A-Rod, not Barry. um, Probably not Big Mac. You know who I'm going to go with? Tell us. I think I'm going to go with Jim Tomey.
3: What made you go with Jim Tomey?
2: He's played a lot of games for uh, both the Phillies here and then the White Sox and the Indians in the American League. Uh, and he has a lot of home runs.
3: Nice. Uh, happy birthday to the GOAT, Yadier Molina.
2: yadi 40.
3: HBD to yadi mm-hmm. Yeah, 40th birthday. wonder how he's celebrating. Uh,
2: so- somewhere down there in Puerto Rico he is lifting weights and running
3: well he did uh have an early celebration yesterday by tweeting a photo of him in a cardinals uniform with a baseball emoji mm-hmm. pretty telling looks like he's on his way back yeah how many times Randy has yadi hit over 300 in a season
2: Ooh, um not many oh I'll, I'll go th- three.
4: Ryan Ludwig had a career year with the Cardinals in 2008, earning both an All-Star selection and the Silver Slugger at right field. How many home runs did he hit in that season? I believe he hit 37.
3: Joe, Randy... We've got a tie, gentlemen. All right. Two, two a piece. We're headed to the tiebreaker round. Joe, here's how, right. how this is going to work. I'm going to read the question. As I'm reading it, Randy will write his answer down on a sheet of paper. We'll give you first crack at it, about 10 seconds to reveal what your answer is. Then Randy will share with us what he's written down, and uh, we'll see who the winner is. We will determine the winner. Joe, are you ready? Yes. Randy, are you ready? I'm ready. Here's your tiebreaker question, gentlemen. From September 18th. 1988, to July 26th, 1989, how many consecutive bases did Vince Coleman steal without being caught setting a Major League Baseball record? Oh, Randy already has his answer. Okay. Joe, whenever you're ready. Uh, uh
1: So one month time, so 24.
3: Joe says 24. Randy says. 50. We do have a winner. Rockio, oh, ring the bell.
0: The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Character.
3: Just win, baby. I'm sorry, Joe. Randy knew that one right away. Had it in his back pocket. He got the tiebreaker question correct.
1: All right. Well, thank
4: you guys very much. Hey, just so you guys know, I, I just, Relocated back to St. Louis, I really missed you guys. ESPN Radio in Southern Missouri is not the same.
2: Oh, welcome back! Thank you very much for listening. We do appreciate
3: it. We appreciate you playing today. Yeah, welcome home, Joe. All right, thanks,
1: guys. Today. I am I
0: stop. Win, win,
3: win, win. Welcome home. Here's Randy, completely stunting on you. Yep. dunking right in your face <laughs> welcome back Joe <laughs> hope you're settling in comfortably
2: uh, yeah I'm kind of a jerk
3: <laughs> at least you said welcome back before yeah, you dunked right. on him yeah. so the other National League team that's tied for the Cardinals with the second most retired numbers in Major League Baseball with 14 just behind the Yankees it's the Cardinals and the Giants okay Randy got that one correct a lot
4: of New York numbers and like yeah. people that they honor.
3: how many do the Yankees have
4: Yankees have twenty, Is it yeah, twenty-seven World
2: Championships. I think, 27 it, 20, Champions. 20, I think
3: yeah, it's twenty-seven tw- World 20, it's Twenty-three retired numbers. Twenty-three retired Not numbers. In the, it's in the low twenties.
2: No yeah. single digits left for the Yankees. No.
3: Lots of retired numbers. Albert Pujols has now hit twenty home runs against seventeen different franchises, passing Ken Griffey Jr.
2: Oh yeah, I forgot about Griff. I was also thinking Frank Robinson there. So, but that's good.
3: HBD to Yachty. How many times has Yachty hit over 300 in a season? That would be five times. Wow. 08, 11, 12, 13, and 16.
2: Turned himself into a
3: good hitter. There you go. Ryan Ludwig had a career year with the Cardinals in 2008, earning both an all-star selection and the silver slugger at right field. He hit 37 home runs that year, plus 113 RBI, 966 OPS for Luddy.
2: And a great guy and back in the Cardinal organization.
3: That's right. Shout out to him. And from September 18th, 1988... To July 26, 1989, this is our tiebreaker question, how many consecutive bases did Vince Coleman steal without being caught, which set a Major League Baseball record? Joe guessed 24, Randy guessed 50, Randy was right on the nose, it's 50 for Vince Coleman. Did you start writing your answer
4: when she said the date range? No, I was Okay, because I, I swear I saw you, like, your head no. go down when she finished
2: saying July, and I was like, I, did he really just do that? I was listening carefully. Okay. That's what it was. There you go. Uh, that's the fight. Next up, we're going to talk NHL free agency with our friend E.J. Raddick of NHL Network. The Robert Thomas contract, reportedly eight years, 64000000 million. We'll touch on that and more next on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
2: Randy Carrick, great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. Of course, we're your home for St. Louis Blues hockey and at 11 o'clock St. Louis time this morning, NHL free agency starts and we're going to find out about what's going on with that with our friend EJ Raddick of NHL Network. Good morning, sir. How are you?
7: I'm good. How are you doing
2: today? Happy July 13th. <laughs> Same to you. Man, it used to be, and you remember this, EJ, it used to be every year at the start of free agency. This was kind of like the center of the universe when the Blues had signed Stevens or or trade for McKinnis. So they signed Stevens a couple of times, signed Marty McSorley to offer sheets. When it was Ron Curran and Jack Quinn and, and Mike Shanahan, this was the center of the universe for NHL free agency.
7: I do remember that time, and I'm sure there's a good book to be written by somebody who had uh, access to all those individuals. Uh, there, was, there was a lot of things happening in that era in hockey. Uh, it was a little different time, for sure, without uh, social media and all the kind of different technology we have now. But uh, nonetheless, uh, we'll be interested today. There'll be a lot of players on the move, and the market is... The market is really flooded with players with the 97 I think it was 97 players that weren't qualified that weren't given qualifying offers i mean uh, i guess we're seeing the impact of a of a flat cap and a you know in a pandem- pandemic post pandemic hopefully uh, circumstance now financially for owners so it's going to be a very interesting time i think the big fish are going to get there they're going to they're going to get to eat and i think uh, a lot of other guys are going to be scrambling
3: EJ, we obviously are paying a lot of attention to what's happening in in Calgary because a lot of Blues fans hope that all roads eventually lead to Matthew Kachuk landing here in St. Louis. But with Johnny Goudreau leaving the Flames, what do you think that does mean for Matthew Kachuk?
7: Well, I mean, I've talked to, you know, you talk to different players. Everybody has a different kind of mindset as to what they want to do or where they want to be. And, um, you know, I I think it certainly sends a message to Matthew that he's, he's lost a really good player there. Um, Calgary has more money to spend, so maybe they're going to spend, they're going to make some kind of big offer for Matthew Kachuk to get ahead of the game with him and, and try to keep him there. But it also, you know, it says, hey, I can play through this contract and I can I can be my way out as well. And I think it's incumbent if, if, if and this is a huge if, if Matthew wants to be somewhere else or maybe wants to play in the u.s as an american kid or maybe even wants to direct himself to st louis at some point in time i think it'd probably be incumbent on his his uh his agent to have that conversation with with the people in calgary and and try to figure out try to push that down the road so and then it would depend upon you know where doug armstrong and the st louis blues are or where any other team that might be interested where they are because again we're looking at a flat cap and it's not just simple it's just having a guy show up and and be part of your team and and pay him you've got to make it work i mean a lot of people are talking about the flyers for johnny gaudreau they don't have a lot of cap room right now and they'd have to like a lot of things happen between now and then to, to fit somebody that's going to cost probably in the neighborhood of nine or ten million dollars per year so you know these are all things that play into it but as far as you know matthew kuchukos i I think that's something the Calgary Flames have to figure out. Is he going to be here long-term? And if he's not, we have to probably move him now and get assets in return so we can continue to move
2: forward. E.J. Raddick of NHL Network with us on Carriker and Smallman. And E.J., if Evander Kane signs, re-signs with the Edmonton Oilers. We kind of speculated here and read speculation that the Oilers would have been interested in David Perron. What sort of market do you think a 34-year-old who had a great season like Perron has?
7: Well, there were 32 teams. There were a lot of teams that are looking for experienced players that could come in and score goals. And you're right, David Perron had a really good year last year, but he played on a very good team with a lot of support. Is David Perron going to be the same offensive weapon in Seattle, playing for the Kraken, for example, or you know any number of other places that he is in St. Louis with a really good team where he really is comfortable and well-supported? So I think there's interest for sure because, Teams need players, but like I said earlier, the market is kind of flooded now. There's a lot of players out there, and teams are worried about the cap. They're worried about future acquisitions, what their cap is going to look like not only this year, but the year after that, and the year after that. Considering younger players that are going to be in a position to get more money, so I think there'll be some opportunity. But you know, at the end of the day, David Perron has been such a great fit with the with the Devil, or should with the Blues over the years that, you know, I, I just laugh. Even if he goes somewhere and, and signs somewhere else, I'm waiting for him to come back to St. Louis again. <laughs> Why not come back and forth with it four times? <laughs> <You're> <laughs> right. Yeah, are right. So, so. so uh, you know, that's what I'd be on the lookout for. But, you know, Doug Armstrong is obviously, he, he keeps his cards close to the vest as he should. And, you know, I'm sure he's got a couple of balls in the air trying to figure out what he wants to do. And part of that is probably, you know, not committing anything to David Perron right now. If things change, then maybe they look back and, you know, David Perron is still there and he comes back aboard. So, uh, you know, there will be teams that will be interested because he's a good player. And uh, it'll be up to David to kind of go through those offers. But I wouldn't be shocked if at the end of the day, if things don't play out, you know, I'm sure that Doug, Doug Armstrong has a lot of different scenarios in his head. And there's probably one down the line where David Prawn stays there, but I would I would think again because of his age it's gonna be on a shorter term and it's gonna depend what kind of dollars they have to spend. So I I'll be curious because he has been so good in Saint Louis and it seems like even when he goes to other teams he always seems to come back.
2: And E J my other NHL market question is what sort of response do you think the Blues are getting to Vladimir Tarasenko. What and I'm just I'm not even asking about compensation. Do you think there's interest on the part of other teams in trading for Tarasenko with 1 year left at 7.5 on the contract?
7: Well, well certainly now there's a lot more interest than there was last year, right? Because he's proven that he can play again. And I think that was the big problem for me last year, Randy is, you know, this is a guy that had a number of shoulder surgeries and it didn't we weren't sure if he was ever going to play again or be as effective as he once was. And uh, he came back last year and had a great year. He was terrific. And again, though, well-supported, good team. I mean, what did the Blues have, 920-goal scores last year? Mm-hmm. I mean, they had a lot of offensive firepower, and he was part of that group. But he showed he can play. If you get someone, if you're in the market, you get a Tarasenko, yes, he's good for the one more year. But now, you know, are you willing to to sign him on a a longer-term deal. And if you're Vladimir Cherisenko, I mean, what are you looking for in terms of your term and dollars? Uh, You know, I think these guys that get late into their 20s, into their early 30s in that window, that's when it gets tricky for me to sign a guy to a long-term deal. I mean, whoever signs Johnny Gaudreau today, it's a good day today, and it'll probably be, you know, it'll probably be a nice, kind helpful player for you for the next couple of years. But at some point in time, you know the numbers are going to go the other way. I mean, it's just that's just the way it way it works for the most part in sports is that a guy gets into his thirties, you, you start to get declining numbers. I mean, I don't think he's ever going to have a year that he just like he just had. I mean, is he ever going to have that kind of year again? No. I mean, I think it would be really hard pressed. to think he's going to score 115 points with a new team next year. So you're paying him a long-term, and a lot of dollars, and the best year he's ever going to have is already in the rearview mirror. So it's a, it's a tricky thing. It's the same with Tarasenko, um, but, he's, but he's proven that he can he can play right now, and I think that certainly puts, if he still wants to be moved, and if the Blues still want to move him, that puts them in a much better position because there's not a lot of term and dollars to carry, and he's shown he can play.
3: EJ, is there a particular team that you're keeping an eye on today that you think could be really active?
7: The Islanders, because <laughs> Lou Lamoriello, we never know what. You know, it's historic. We never know what Lou is going to do. I think they're in the mix for Gaudreau. I think they might be in the mix for Cadre. You know, one or the other. Um, you know, they have some money to play with. They have about twelve million dollars. They do have some. Things they got to take care of. They've got to get Noah Dobson signed. He's an RFA who emerged last year as one of really good young defensemen in the league. But uh, they still have a good They have a good goaltending duo there with Sorokin and Varlamov. Uh, they've got, I would say, with Scott Mayfield, the St. Louis native, as your 50. I mean, they've got a good group of defensemen uh, in front of there. And I think you know their forward group. They need to. They need to make some adjustments. They need to add a little bit of speed and get a little younger or or just get better. And so I think that, uh, you know, that might be an area where, where Lou makes a move, and then he might have to make a subsequent move out of that, out of that to, to make a move to make it all work. But I think they're positioned to do something today. Uh, but I, I think it's a fascinating day, though, because especially, you know, the way this goalie carousel has played out, um, you know, it looks like Campbell's going to go to Edmonton. It looks like Kemper's going to go to Washington. I think the best guy that would be available, if if you can get him by a trade, is is John Gibson. But, um, you know, that's still you know it's harder to do a deal, and he's a pretty significant asset. So you have to have the resources to make that work. So it's uh it's going to be an interesting day for sure, and and I, I think it's going to drag on though because I think with the with the market filled with players, just because again so many guys weren't qualified, uh, I think you know that those those middle six players and then those those bottom tier players who are really important to helping you win, I think they're going to get squeezed a little bit and it may take time before all that sorts itself out. So uh, it'll be interesting today, but I think there's going to be a lot of, I think a lot of these negotiations with players are going to drag on for, for several days and weeks and maybe months.
3: Last question for me, EJ. We always call Doug Armstrong a wizard here in St. Louis because he's always thinking three steps ahead of everybody else. He always pulls out some move that we don't necessarily expect him to. What is the the viewpoint of Doug Armstrong around the league? I always say to Randy that if I was an opposing GM and I saw Army calling me, I wouldn't even pick up the phone.
7: (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, I I have had the good fortune of knowing Doug going back to the uh, mid-'90s in Dallas when he was – a young executive there, and uh, he's learned lessons well over the years from, uh, you know, certainly Bob Gainey was, I would think, his, his biggest mentor. I think he also worked a little bit with Bob Clark uh, when he was in that uh, organization as well, and he's got ties going back, you know, in the National Hockey League with his dad, as a, was a longtime official in the league. Um, you know, he's learned those lessons well over the years. He's surrounded himself with smart people. Um, he keeps his cards close to his vest he's not somebody that you know you can always read I think you're right he's made a number of good trades over the years um, he's he's handled the cap I think as well as as you could certainly handle it um, so you know I, I, I think that you know the Blues have had, a, have had a good team they won a Stanley Cup a couple of years ago they've had to adjust on the fly with you know losing some players over time you lose a potential. that's a big fish and yet he's been able to keep that team really competitive still. So, I mean, I, I, the, 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 you know, the feeling about Doug, I'm sure around the league is there's a lot of respect within the league. And I think those of us who cover the league realize uh, the good work that he's done. I mean, there aren't many guys that are part of part of uh, as a GM and as an assistant GM with two different teams, winning Stanley cups and being part of a couple of finals there in Dallas. And then, you know, being part of a cup winner in St. Louis. So, uh, He's a very well-respected manager, I think, at least in my opinion, and he does a great job. And I would assume he's going to continue
2: doing a great job. EJ, you guys are doing a great job at NHL Network. We know that you'll be all over the free agent frenzy. Today starts at noon Eastern, 11 o'clock here in St. Louis. We'll be tuned in, and we know that you'll keep us up to date. Thanks so much for the time this morning.
7: All right, you got it, guys. Have a great one.
2: You too. See you later. That's our friend EJ Raddick from NHL Network on 101 ESPN. A lot of good information there.
3: Everyone's going to have their phone glued to their hand today
2: yeah and we'll be all over it here of course at 101 ESPN and uh, our Blues insider Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic is on the case and still working the Robert Thomas reported eight-year 64 million dollar contract extension with the St. Louis Blues coming up ESPN ranked the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL right now who was underrated and who was overrated by ESPN? We'll tell you. They interviewed some general managers, but the general managers are wrong. It's next <laughs> on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Seidenstricker Stricker, Noby, John Deere. Find them online at
1: snpartners.com. 909
2: Time Check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Adam Wainwright is coming up next. That's Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker, Michelle ESPN has gone to coaches and executives in the NFL to determine who the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL are right now. Would you like to know who they think the top 10 quarterbacks are in the NFL right now? Please do tell. Okay, Michelle. And uh, we're going to do this Letterman style, although we probably don't have the Letterman countdown, do we? Do you okay, want we'll me to just do it? it. No, 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 I'll, I'll
3: number just, 10.
2: Uh, number 10 is Dak Prescott of the Dallas Cowboys. His highest ranking by an official seven lowest ranking out of the top 10.
3: Number 9.
2: Deshaun Watson, Cleveland Browns, highest ranking, number four, lowest ranking out of the top ten. Number
3: eight.
2: Russell Wilson, Denver Broncos, highest ranking by the executives, number four, lowest ranking out of the top ten.
3: Hut, hut, number seven.
2: Number seven, Justin Herbert, LA Chargers, highest ranking, number five, his lowest ranking out of the top ten.
3: Number six.
2: Number six is Matthew Stafford, Los Angeles Rams, highest ranking, number three, lowest ranking out of the top 10 hut hut number
3: five
2: number five joe burrow cincinnati bengals highest ranking number two lowest ranking out of the top 10
3: number four
2: number four is tom brady tampa bay buccaneers his highest ranking number one his lowest ranking number eight hut hut number three number three is josh allen buffalo bills highest ranking numero uno Lowest ranking, number seven.
3: Number two.
2: Number two, Patrick (laughs) Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs, his highest ranking, number one, his lowest ranking, number five.
3: And now for the number one quarterback, according to the ESPN's top 10 quarterback poll.
0: Aaron
2: Rodgers, Green (laughs) Bay Packers, highest ranking, number one, lowest ranking, number five. Great job there. Thank you. Okay, I really had so, to
3: summon the depths there, but I got it done.
2: Okay, so we're gonna do one they got right and I've got two that they've got wrong.
3: Oh, I love that. Okay, why okay. don't you give me since you have two one they got wrong first.
2: Okay. well,
3: we'll go we'll go you me, you me. Do you want the stunner? Yes, give, let's just fire it out of the gate, Randy. let's go. What's a quarterback's job, Michelle? I would say to throw touchdowns. Throw touchdowns. Who led
2: the NFL in touchdowns last year with 43? It was Tom Brady. Who led the league in passing yards with more than 5,600 or 5,300? It was Tom Brady. There's no way that Tom Brady is number four. There's no way that Tom Brady's number three. There's no way that Tom Brady's number two. The best quarterback in the NFL right now, based on the statistics that you count on for quarterbacks to win games, is Tom Brady. And it's not even close.
3: Wow. I wasn't expecting the Tom Brady love from one Randall character.
2: Yeah, he's uh, not only has he changed my mind about him by escaping the evil that is the empire up there in New England. Uh, so he he's, turns out to be a better guy, but he's doing it without Belichick. He's doing it better than he did when he had Belichick.
3: The hard left that you have taken from hoping mm-hmm. that. Tom Brady gets injured every week to saying that he is criminally underrated Michelle. on the top 10 quarterbacks list has been really remarkable. This is
2: not a left. This is a turn This is a 180. <laughs>
8: this is a
3: 180. <laughs> You're right. My bad. I'm not great at driving, but wow. That is, uh, but you know what? I, I don't know. Comparatively, the past couple seasons, even though Tom Brady is still Tom Brady, you really think that he's a better quarterback today than Aaron Rodgers?
2: Well, he does have more good weapons than Aaron Rodgers does. But, man, if you look at the statistics, it's hard to argue. The statistics, and last year Aaron Rodgers was the MVP. But Brady had 43 touchdown passes. Aaron Rodgers had six fewer. Uh, Rodgers is terrific in terms of not throwing picks. And it's the reason he won the MVP is because he only threw four interceptions to 12 for Brady. But... I, i'm telling you i if tampa bay goes up to green bay and has to play them like they did two years ago they would have beat green bay they, Rod, brady would have beaten Rodgers up there like garoppolo did
3: interesting uh can i also throw one on the doesn't get enough respect pile yeah my my most egregious omission of this is lamar jackson yeah how Lamar Jackson not a top 10 quarterback in the NFL he has a 37 and 12 record and he's been at the helm of one of the most elite teams in the AFC since he's been the quarterback they were in the number one spot in the conference at one point last season he had that ankle injury in week 14 had he not gotten injured the Ravens would have been in a much better position oh and by the way he's been a league MVP so he definitely should be in the conversation in the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL and I I think part of the argument against Lamar is that he couldn't stay healthy. Mm -hmm. Well, then why is Deshaun Watson on this list? He didn't even play an entire season last year and might not play a full season or an entire season this year. So you mean to tell me that you're going to knock Lamar for not being available but put Deshaun on the list? It makes no sense. Make it make sense, Randy.
2: I can't make it make sense because the most important ability, Michelle, is... Availability. And Deshaun Watson wasn't last year and isn't going to be this year so i'm i'm with you how watson can be on that list and we cannot have uh uh lamar jackson on that list is ridiculous okay another one they got wrong and they put him at number six is matthew stafford jared goff took the rams to a super bowl matthew stafford the difference was joe burrow couldn't find an open receiver at the end otherwise matthew stafford is jared goff the same guy and Yes, Matthew Stafford has the commercial. He's got a great arm, and he did win the Super Bowl. But let me just ask you this: If Justin Herbert was the quarterback of the Rams, do they go on and win the Super Bowl? Yes, I think they do. <laughs> Absolutely. If uh, Russell Wilson is the quarterback of the Rams, do they win the Super Bowl? Probably. I think they probably do as well. If Dak Prescott, eh, that might be iffy. Lamar. I mean, <laughs> you put a lot of you put a lot of guys. In there with that receiving core, with that defense, and with Sean McVay as the coach, I think there's a lot of players. And he happened to be the guy that Sean McVay got. The first guy that the Rams wanted was Aaron Rodgers. And mm-hmm. they were turned out. If Aaron Rodgers is there, they win the Super Bowl. I think there's a lot of quarterbacks in the league that could have done what Matthew Stafford did with the Rams last year.
3: Okay, I'm with you. And I I think we're both in agreement on the ones that they got wrong. And by the way, I'm not saying he's bad. I'm not necessarily with Dan Brady, but. Uh,
2: I'm not saying he's bad. I I think he's an okay quarterback. I just don't think he's a top 10 quarterback.
3: My, how the opinion of him has changed in one calendar year. He
2: wasn't in the top 10 last year going into the season.
3: Yes. But when you're the reigning Super Bowl champ, Mm -hmm. I understand why. Why Didn't happen for
2: Trent Dilfer, but I get it.
3: It doesn't get no respect, <laughs> Trent Dilfer. <laughs> okay, can we? Can I give you one? I think they got right. Yes. Whoa!
2: Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah, the that's dramatic. The post Whoa, right there. there we
3: go. I think they got Josh Allen right coming in at number three. I can't put Josh Allen. I can't in good faith put him above Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers right now. But as far as I'm concerned, he's right there with them. And I truly believe, had the Bills beaten the Chiefs in that wild 42 to 36 overtime playoff game, they went toe for toe. Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen did. If the Bills win that game, I think the Bills win the Super Bowl. And it's because of Josh Allen. He's got the size. He's got the accuracy. He's got the personality. He's got the ability. I think that he is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And he's ascending to potentially be at that number two or number one spot after another strong year. But I still can't put him right now above Mahomes or above Rodgers. I think that number three slot for Josh Allen, perfect.
2: Every chance you get to watch Josh Allen take it, he's a combination of Ben Roethlisberger and Aaron Rodgers. He's got Roethlisberger's size and ability to avoid the sack. He's got Rodgers' innate ability to, uh, on the RPO, find the right play. And he, he runs as hard and as tough as Big Ben and as quickly and as nimble as Aaron Rodgers. He's, he's great. He's amazing. He's a stud. And the one that I think they nailed in terms of getting it right is Russell Wilson, number eight. I, I think that the the guys that are, are above him are legit, and the guys that are below him deserve to be below him. I think number and being in the top quarter of the entire league's quarterbacks is a good thing. So I'm going to go with Russell Wilson getting that one right at number eight. All right, so there you go, GMs. You got a few wrong. Got to pick it up for next year. Michelle, Randy, and coming up next, it's Wednesdays with Wayno on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Getting you inside the car. Inside corner and he struck him out. That's strikeout number 1,000 at Busch Stadium for Adam Wainwright. It's Redbirds pitcher Adam Wainwright on 101 ESPN.
1: Third time through the lineup, he strikes out
0: seven, and he strikes out the side in the seventh Three inning. Presented by Chick-fil-A. Earn points on your next mobile order with the Chick-fil-A app. Welcome
2: back to Carriker and Smallman I'm on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carriker. It's great to have you with us, and it is Wednesdays with Waino, but because Waino is pitching on Wednesday, we record this on Tuesday afternoon. Wayno, great to have you with us on a Tuesday. How are you doing?
6: I'm doing fantastic. I'm uh, out with the family right now. We are at one of the greatest things in St. Louis, in my opinion, and, and the greatest of its kind in the world, in my opinion, the St. Louis Zoo. I think it's just the best.
3: It is the best free zoo, by the way, for those who are listening from out of town. Um, Adam, I have a lot of animal questions for you. We talked about, with you about a lot of things. I don't think we've talked about animals. If Adam Wainwright was an animal, what animal would he be?
6: This is an easy one for me. We've, we, This is the kind of questions and conversations we have on the bench. <laughs> okay. um, so for, for me, you, you have to consider, like, the result of being that animal. So what would be, like, a fun animal to be might be dangerous because there might be something to eat you or shoot you or something like that. So um, I would be absolutely, without question, a bald eagle. Um, wow. It's just a no-brainer for me. You fly everywhere, which seems like the greatest way to travel um, to me. And then you get to eat fresh sushi whenever you want, or you can eat you know, you know, could eat the, the fresh catch of the day wherever you are, wherever you are. Nobody can shoot you. You get to ride around like a boss because you are a boss coolest animal in the world you make a really cool sound i mean it's just that and you're and you're big and if something else catches something you want you can just go take it i think that's cool
2: that is a spectacular answer i, I was thinking honey badger or something like that yeah. but when you throw in the the fact that you can fly and i think that's really an underrated aspect to the bald eagle and you are a symbol for an entire country that's true
6: exactly i mean there's just no cooler animal when, when people see a bald eagle they go oh my gosh, the bald eagle, you know, just stop, take pictures, stop what you're doing, you know, cause, cause crashes on the interstate, the bald eagle is 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 the boss of this country.
3: It is indeed, Adam. Now, I'm imagining if you guys are talking animals on the bench that you talk about animal fights, right? Because that's pretty popular amongst people to say, do you think this animal could beat this animal in a fight?
6: Uh, it has happened, yes. Okay, has so happened. what is
3: one animal that you would not want to see in a fight?
6: Well, I mean, the tiger is is one that comes up a lot. Um, you know, a lion see the lion is is a lot lazier animal than people will recall. I mean, those things sleep like twenty hours a day, you know. Um, and then you only get up at night. So, I mean and then you gotta be in the scorching heat all the time. That's one of the answers why we're well. people are like, Oh yeah, I wanna be a lion. Like you wanna sit around in the two hundred degrees Sahara desert heat thinking then or wherever, whatever plains that they live in, you know, those great plains in Africa, it's hotter than stew out there. And then, I don't know. And then you got, you only get up in the middle of the night. That's just not it. But pound for pound, they can still take down any animal and the animal king. That's why they're the king. You know, that's why they get to sleep all day if they want to, because they're the biggest, fattest things out there.
2: Okay, we've got uh, one more animal question for you. And I think it's really underrated because they're tough. They're tough skinned. They're fast. They run 34 miles an hour. The rhino is really an animal that you don't want to mess with.
6: No, you don't. And if you try, you can't get through that tough skin. I mean, those things are pretty in, in, impenetrable, you know. But the, the, also the hippo. The hippo's, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think, the most dangerous animal in the world, if I'm not mistaken. I think they kill more people every year than any other animal out there. Um, but you see those mouths when they open, you can see why. they're yeah. Just bone crushing jaws and, and uh, teeth. So pretty powerful.
2: Adam Wainwright at the St. Louis Zoo. Hey, uh, we've got big, big league impact fantasy football coming up, and we're getting to that time of year. Uh, we're about two weeks away from the start of NFL training camp, Waino, and I think all of us need to start scouting if we haven't started already.
6: I know it. I know. I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. It's just it's like, we're almost getting to the most fun uh, point of the season for me, where you got playoff baseball, you got you got um, college football starting up pretty soon, NFLs on the horizon, fantasy football. I mean, the draft, the fantasy football day draft, is a top five day of the year for me. It is is just one of the most fun things going and it's just all the prep work that you go into scouting and acting like you know everything and then you know it's just based off of what everybody else says but you know no i don't i don't really think that you know you have no reason to believe that other than just you got this innate ability to think about it like that and uh everybody thinks they're the greatest at fantasy football you know it's like ping pong everybody thinks they're the greatest ping pong player until they play the greatest ping pong player you know so um it's It's a fun time, and it's definitely a fun time in our clubhouse. We're having – we have a blast with that. It's a good – a good outlet for us to keep you know keep our mind off the game a little bit
2: and you can get more information by going to bigleagueimpact.org or simply following big league impact on any of the socials whether it's instagram facebook or twitter wayno one thing about that that time of year you're talking about too and tell me if you agree i'm energized by the change of weather when the calendar changes to september 1st and it's the pennant race and the weather cools off a little bit that energizes me too
6: Absolutely, it does. Absolutely, that that fall weather is some of the best weather in the world. Especially right here in St. Louis, it's so perfect, so nice, and that crisp, that crisp. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I like the fall, anyways. I like that crisp air, anyways. But that means playoffs. That's what that means for me, and that's what it means for St. Louis too. You know, we we uh, we associate that cool weather with playoff baseball, and and uh, I think we got a team that could do it this year for sure.
3: Well, Adam, we're all desperate for that cool weather. Right now we're in the dead of summer and the heat's pretty bad. Ali Marmal, your manager last night, was talking after the game and, and mentioned just what it's like physically right now for guys, that you guys are a little fatigued, tired, and you're looking forward to that all-star break. Collectively, what, what is it like from a fatigue standpoint as you get close to the halfway point of the season?
6: Well, first thing I have to say is I know nobody out there feels sorry for us because we get to play baseball for a living, so I, I just have to state that first, but I will say, um, in in how it relates to what we do every year, this is one of the toughest schedules we've ever played, you know, with our, our off days, um, because of the, you know, that's partly our fault, so don't, I know no one's feeling bad for me, but um, with the with the late start, we got some off days pushed and, and some doubleheaders played, Then our travel schedule, we've had a couple of games picked up by ESPN that pushes us to, you know, a seven o'clock game where we might not have been in it we might have got in at midnight instead we got in at four in the morning a couple times and that can be tough and that where that takes its toll on guys and then we've had some injuries so other guys have had to play a little bit more than they normally would have so there's there's a lot of fatigue factor going on you have to get past that as a professional athlete though you have to figure out a way to make it work and uh how to show up and and do your job no matter what um but it has been it's it's been a tough tough schedule we've and we've played gosh we've just played some really good teams lately where we play this Philly team, you know, seven times. We play the Braves. We're about to play the Dodgers. Um, so it's a tough stretch. to can test any team. And this is where this is where you find out what you're made of. You know, this is where you find out if you're a tough enough team. Because when you get in the playoffs, everything's like that. You know, so you have to go through all those guys to win everything anyway. So this is a good practice.
3: Well, what have you learned about your team up to this point? We're at the halfway point of the season, essentially. What have you learned about this version of the St. Louis Cardinals?
6: Um, I, I think there's a lot to like. Uh, there's there's some guys still learning on the job, honestly. Um, there's some guys who who know they can play better. But I mean, when you when you look at what the guys in the middle of our order are doing, what Paul Goldschmidt's doing is just special, man. He's having an MVP season, uh, which I called before the season started. By the way, you did, um, you did, yeah. Yep, called that. And even <laughs> when when Nolan had his his incredible April, where he had like ten home runs and. And uh and bunches of RBIs. Everybody's saying, you know, Nolan's going to win the VP. I just kept saying, and everybody in the clubhouse kept saying, honestly, I mean, because we knew Nolan's special, but we all thought Goldie was going to win the MVP. I mean, you know, just he's a different animal when he gets going, and uh it is so fun to watch. Even Nolan calls him the best player on the planet. So <laughs> what they're what they're doing offensively and defensively is great. Uh, a couple of young guys coming up. I mean, Donnie Donovan has been a it's been a uh, such a cool addition. He's been sick for the last four or five days, so we're hoping to get him back soon. Um, but, you know, watching Tommy Edmond move from the best defensive second baseman in the game, and it wasn't even close, and you kind of wonder, like, gosh, is he going to be okay at short? Like, he's got a great ability, but are we going to be losing something by moving him to short because then with second base, is going to be empty? Well, then Donovan filled that hole nicely. Tommy's playing Gold Gloves uh, shortstop, so – those are things that are really neat to me. I think our pitching staff has really come around um, the last couple of weeks. Starters have been pitching good. Bullpen um, is pitching good. Jordan Hicks back in the bullpen is going to help a lot. Uh, we just need a couple of guys to step it up. Getting Steven Matts back is going to help, I think. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what Libertor does tonight, uh, pitching against this tough Dodger team, because he's got a lot of ability. Young guy, learning on the fly. But there's a lot of things to like. There's a lot of things to look forward to in the future of this organization, um, but we're trying to win right now too. So, um, good mix.
3: Do you think we just need a little bit more sage, Adam? What are you? What are your thoughts on Miles Michaelis <laughs> saging the outfield?
6: He's a, he's an interesting guy. <laughs> he is an interesting guy. But you know, you can't can never shake your head. at something that works, and he he, he did the sage, one two games in a row against a very tough team. Um, so and against. And I gets a very tough pitcher yesterday in Austin and Aaron Noah. So um, that was a huge win for us. Got Miles back on the winning board, which was was really nice to see. Um, but the stage worked, you know. We we had a couple other things going on in that clubhouse. Everybody was trying everything, man. It <laughs> wasn't for lack of trying. Guys were, you know, were, uh hitting in their jock straps and all kinds of crazy stuff in the batting cage in there. So, man, in baseball, you know, it's it's a crazy. It's very, very uh, um, superstitious, super superstitious world, and uh, you know we'll we'll try just about anything to see if it brings wins. It's
2: only weird if it doesn't work, Adam.
6: 100 percent and then as soon as it stops working though it is weird yeah right (laughs) hey i want to ask
2: you because you're such a great guy at compartmentalizing and we've talked to you before about being able to put a loss behind you but i was really frustrated for you on friday night when you go all the way you allow the two home runs and you handle it so well but what's it like once you hop in the truck and you start driving home what's that drive home like for adam wayne right after a game like you had on friday
6: well there's things I mean compartmentalizing is important, like you said. I mean I knew our bullpen was was, was pretty banged up. I knew that we were tired, the guys had been used a lot, Helsley had pitched two or uh, two innings and, and Geo had been pitching and all those guys had been, you know, pitching a lot. So I knew I needed to go deep into that game. So pitching nine was was the goal. Between between the last inning and that or the between the last game and that game uh, my main focus was to figure out why I wasn't able to go deeper into games like I had, like I had been the year, you know, the year or two before that, where I was pushing to the eight a lot. And this year I'd only done it once or twice. And that—that I, I, I just have better standards than that. You know, I want to when I take the ball in the in the first inning, I, my goal is to is to is to uh, get the last out of the game every time. That's my goal. And so that was my main focus was figuring out if there was patterns, if there was sequences, if there was. There was a, a, a pitch that wasn't doing what it was supposed to do, wasn't getting the results I wanted or whatever. So me and, and Dusty Blake and and Mike Maddox really spent a lot of time looking into that. We figured out a couple of things, a um, couple of angles, a couple of pitch counts or a couple of uh, so pitch selections in certain counts. Uh, and then, you know, went out there and we threw nine innings. So that was a good thing. The, the home run pitch to center field, the first home run, that's really the only – Big mistake I made. Um, the other, the curveball home run, is not something I was expecting. So I can, I can hold my head up knowing that I, that I, I, gave up one home run in nine innings, and and that's, you know, you never want to give up home runs. That's the easiest way to give up for sure fire runs. Obviously, is to give up home runs. I, I never want to do that, but you try to keep them out of extra bases, anyways. But um, pitching nine innings, you know, with, with one, with really one big mistake pitch that got hit. I'll take that almost every time of the year. You know, sometimes you got to throw up zeros, and we're facing a very, very tough pitcher. We're looking right here at the Amur Leopard it's right oh, in front of us. Beautiful. Um, but, yeah, you know, that, so that's, that was one thing I thought, okay, all right. In one way, I did my job. Um, but in another way, you know, that's a, a couple games in a row where I made a, a real bad mistake um, with the cutter in the middle of the plate, and they got hit out both times and so that's that's like the easiest pitch to hit out if you make a real bad mistake in the middle plate with a with a cutter just like a slower fastball in the middle of the plate hitters feast off of those things now if you throw a really good one on the corner it's one of the easiest ways to get a very quick out so uh that was one of my one of my uh my homework assignments was to go back to to the to the well and, and figure out is there a grip issue is there a is there just execution issue? Is it is it timing? Is my delivery off? Just a little here. I never stop working, Randy and, and Michelle. Y'all, they'll probably know that, but I never mm-hmm. stop trying to hone every little thing because because this team's going to need me down the stretch when we get into playoff baseball. Mistakes like that get uh, get magnified.
1: I want to ask
2: you about pitching against the Dodgers. You've done it in the postseason. You have done it a lot over the course of your career. I think the Dodgers have the second-best uniforms in the game after the Cardinals. Uh, in, in, I don't know if you're aware of this statistic, Adam. Since 1892 through last year, the Cardinals and Dodgers have played over 2,000 times. The Cardinals' record against the Dodgers, 1,033 wins, 1,036 losses. It's the best rivalry, aside from the, the fan rivalries, Giants, Dodgers, Cubs, Cards, Cubs. It's the best rivalry in the league. How do you like pitching against the, the Dodgers?
6: I have always loved pitching against the Dodgers. I love pitching against those legendary historic franchises. And, and honestly, they have some of the best players in the world. You know, they go out and they spend money on, on a lot of really good players. And as a pitcher, a competitor, you want to pitch against the best. You want to see what you're worth against the best. And, uh, yeah, I see them, yo, I see them. <laughs> um, you want to see what you're worth, and and those are the ultimate tests. You know, they'll let you know what you need to work on right away.
3: Well, speaking of the best to ever do it, Adam, it's got to be cool for you to see your teammate Albert Pujols say that he's going to be in the home run derby uh, for one final time in his career. I'm sure that's going to be special for all of you guys to watch him compete.
6: Yeah, Yeah, I found that out at, like, last night at midnight. I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's gonna be amazing. He's he's uh he's the ultimate performer. He'll probably go he'll probably go compete really well in it. I don't I don't know if anybody can can beat that uh Pete Alonzo from the Mets. He's he, he seems like he was born and bred for the home run derby, but um wouldn't it be a great story if Albert did it.
2: If Albert would beat him. The stubby clap throw B P. <laughs>
6: Good question. Good question. I don't know how that works. But, uh, you know, when the last time we had home and derby that Albert was in that I can remember was in 09 when it was in St. Louis. And the wind was blowing straight in from left center. So it was really tough on the right handers. And I think Prince Fielder or somebody won it that was a left hander. Um, but all the lefties were crushing and all the righties were just having a hard time driving out of the park. Albert had to hit a home run on his last swing to go into the next round and he did it right into the teeth of the wind at left center. Um, So, he's still got the power too, man. You know, he's, He's not a whippersnapper anymore, but he's still got that incredible power and incredible hands. So uh, I hope he wins. That would be just too fun.
2: It's it's fun to savor this. And I'll tell you what, Adam, I savor our fantasy football during the fall. It, it makes me happy every time I put my lineup together. This year's draft, Friday, August 26th, and folks will have the opportunity to get involved with a Q&A with you and Tommy Edmond, get special access, and have all this stuff back. It's so cool to have it back where you can watch BP and play catch on the field with Cardinals players. This is going to be a great year. Here for fantasy football, and we want everybody to get involved by going to bigleagueimpact.org
6: Yeah, it's back. We're going to be in person again. Praise the Lord. We're going to be shaking hands and and uh, drafting and talking smack right in the room with you. So um, come to Bush Stadium. You get to play catch on the field. You get clubhouse tour. I, I'm going to take a tour of uh, everybody through into clubhouse. See see all the sights, smell all the smells. You know, see the lockers you want to see from your favorite players and. Uh, it's going to be a fun time. We hope lots of people sign up and, and come in there because there's really nothing like it, I don't think, as far as from a fan experience out there, to go and, and hang with your players like you can do at our fantasy draft at Bush Stadium.
2: Yeah, come and smell the sage. <laughs>
6: Yeah, yeah my house will probably have some burning.
2: <laughs> hey, Adam, have a great time during the All-Star break. We know that you're going to be spending that with your family, and we'll talk to you after the Cardinals get back into action the following week. But enjoy your time off next week as the, the Cardinals and the rest of Major League Baseball enjoy the All-Star break.
6: Okay, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks.
2: Thanks, Wayne. Have a great day. Adam Wainwright, Big League Impact, and don't forget to enjoy a Sunjoy today at Chick-fil-A every Wednesday for Wednesdays with Wano. A Proceeds of your purchase of a Sunjoy, which is an Arnold Palmer, half lemonade, half iced tea, go to Big League Impact, so go to Chick-fil-A today, and don't forget that... Also, you can get involved with the draft by going to bigleagueimpact.org. That is Adam Wainwright, Wednesdays with Waino. And if you didn't hear the entire interview, you can do so. Just go to our webpage, 101ESPN.com, or the app. Listen on the podcast. And everything on the podcast is brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Center. Michelle and Randy with you. You're killing me, Smalls. Coming your way next on 101 ESPN. (laughs)
0: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now?
8: You're killing me, Smalls. You're
0: killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN.
3: Brought to you by Mobile on the Run. On the Run is your summertime snack and sip store.
2: It's time for.
3: You're killing me, Smalls. We talked about it earlier in the show. Frank Saravelli had a report, a daily face-off, and now our very own Blues Insider, Jeremy Rutherford, with the report that Robert Thomas has agreed to an eight-year, million-dollar deal for around sixty-four million dollars with the with the Blues. Randy, so Robert Thomas getting locked up long-term, eight years, eight million-dollar deal,
2: and like. Colton Pareko last year, he played last season under his old cap number. So Thomas will play 22-23 under his old cap number of $2.8 And then the contract will kick in. So this year's cap will be unaffected. The Blues will still have that $9 million in cap space. But it's the year after that when Ryan O'Reilly's contract is up where the Blues will... Have to put an interesting puzzle together. But they have looked at, and Doug Armstrong has said publicly for years, he looks at Robert Thomas as a number one center. As a matter of fact, even last year, he thought that Thomas had surpassed O'Reilly as the Blues' number one center. You signed a 23 year old with what you think Robert Thomas is going to become at $8 million a year, that's a bargain.
3: 20 goals, 57 assists, team leading. It was a big step for him production-wise and a big step for him now salary-wise. But he clearly is a huge piece of the future. And when we first saw this report, Randy... Of course, my initial reaction is, well, this is great news for future blue Matthew Kachuk, yeah. who loves Robert Thomas. They obviously have that uh, existing relationship. And I imagine he's thinking, great, my BFF is locked up to play for the Blues long term, and I'm about to be as well. And yes, I'm just projecting here.
2: And Johnny Goodrow has told the Flames he's not coming back for any amount of money. He's not leaving because of the money. And I have to believe that Goodrow and Robert Th- our, uh, Matthew Kachuk, who are good friends, mm-hmm they probably don't see much of a stanley cup championship future playing for calgary they don't have a new building they don't have a ton of revenue Uh, they they had a really good team this year but they just couldn't get over the top and now with Goodrow gone they really are lacking and they might need to start over and if i'm in the shoes of the flames and i hate the fact that i have to do this but i know two things number one that I'm probably not going to be able to win with Matthew Kachuk in the near future with the departure of Goodrow. And number two, do I want a year after Goodrow left me for nothing, do I want Matthew Kachuk to leave a year later for nothing? I have to get some assets back for Matthew Kachuk if I'm the Flames.
3: Would you be interested in Vladimir Tarasenko if you're the Flames?
2: Yes, but I don't think Vladdy would be interested in Calgary. Mm. But if you're the Flames and Vladimir Tarasenko gets traded to Team X, the Carolina Hurricanes and the Blues get a one and a two and you can trade Carolina's number one, your own number one a number two, a number four and Jordan Cairo for example, for Matthew Kachuk does that pique your interest knowing that next year you will lose Kachuk for nothing?
3: Absolutely If you can get
2: five assets in in return Why wouldn't you? Yeah, I, I would think that that would be something that would be attractive. Now, can the Blues get a one and a two for, for Vladdy? I don't know
3: It'll be interesting to see if they can, but his value is never gonna be higher than it is right now.
2: No. And Alexander Drabrinkit, who had two years left and is much younger and scores more than Vladdy, he drew a couple of number ones, I believe, right? I or was it, was it a one, I, I a, think a two, and, two was, and a three? I
4: think it was one or two and a It four. was a move up in the first round and a first. So I don't so I don't think you can qualify that as two firsts. But I don't think it was also kind of disappointing for what I think. A lot of the Blackhawks People around the Blackhawks, not just fans, but people around the Blackhawks Thought that a guy like Debrinkit should have gotten Two and a, f- a second and a first Feels a little bit heavy With a guy wh- who's one shoulder injury well, away from Having to retire but remember, also
2: on the other side of 30 Doug Armstrong got Braden Shen For a guy who was about to go to, to To Coke jail so To what? Coke jail
4: Coke a, jail? It's not a specific yeah. jail It's just oh, a, a jail he you didn't really,
2: because of Coke Yeah, he, his house was a distribution center He was an entrepreneur
4: yeah, they, I bet they could get a pair of seconds, but like it's, it's a rental, he's 30, again, one bad hit in the boards and he's potentially
2: hey. in the KHL. The Blues got number ones for two months of Paul Stastny and two months of uh, Kevin Scheidler. They got
4: a one for Ryan Reeves.
3: Yeah. He's coming up an 82-point season and he's one yep. of the best players in the National Hockey League. Point. Yeah. Yeah. I- do I, would I put it past Army to be able to get a first for him? Absolutely not. And, and he's only 30.
2: And he's only 30. And it's only $7.5 million.
3: He's only 30.
2: Yeah, if you're trying to win next year, then I would think that that would be a pretty good move. So we'll see. It's an old 30, isn't it, though? Kind of feels like it. All right.
8: You're killing me, small.
3: Because he's been around for so long. Yeah. He's been such a cornerstone for the Blues for so long.
2: And it, was, it wasn't It was to flip, it was a one, a two, and a three for Debrinket.
3: Okay. You're killing me, Smalls. So, Rob Gronkowski, we know, retired for a second time, this time in June. And his agent came out and said that if Tom Brady gave him a call during the season, he might unretire. Well, Gronk has come out and said no. That's not what's going to happen. I am done with football. He says, I'm stepping my feet into the business world, the business ventures, and seeing where I can find my place. I would obviously answer a call from the greatest quarterback of all time to ask him how he's doing and to tell him I'm doing good, but I wouldn't go back to football. No.
2: That is great self-awareness on the part of Rob Gronkowski, who knows what a lot of players don't, that when the passion is gone, there's no reason to stick around. He's going out as a Hall of Famer, as a guy who last time he played a full season because he was hurt last year, he went to the Super Bowl and won it. He doesn't have any any other reason to play. He's got the Super Bowls. He's going to the Hall of Fame. He's regarded by many as the best tight end of all time. There's no real good reason unless he's so super stupid competitive like brady for gronkowski to play anymore
3: we just said vladdy felt like an old 30 does anyone feel like an older 33 year old than rob gronkowski with the miles that are on that body in the
2: back it's amazing that he lasted as long as he he did in the nfl
3: absolutely but do we believe him you you lay out a great argument randy as to why he should stay retired but do you believe that he will
2: i believe that he will yeah because i don't think he's got to gain weight he's it's really hard for veteran players to to get, put the pounds on. And he's got to get up. He's got to gain 25 pounds to get back to playing shape. And I have to believe that going through that process is probably kind of a hassle for a guy like that.
3: But if Tom Brady and the Bucks are in a good position, let's say midseason. Midseason. And, thank you, Randy. <laughs> we haven't done that in a while. Good <laughs> job. And he calls him and he says, we're, we're going to make another push. Mm-hmm. This is a Super Bowl team. I need you, buddy. I need you, Gronk.
2: But if Gronk is sitting at home, hasn't worked out, he weighs 230 pounds, he's going to say, I'm going to get killed if I go up against those guys.
3: But when Tommy calls you and he says, I need you, buddy. I need
2: you. I know. But like he said, I'd I'd say, how you doing?
3: (laughs) I don't know. I I don't know if I I believe. I trust Gronk. I trust Gronk here. Just like I didn't believe that Tom Brady was done, I don't know if I believe that Gronk is done.
2: I, I don't. I wonder if Gronk would it would bother him to become the Brett Favre of tight ends.
3: But after his quarterback already retired and then unretired, who cares if he does it too? But who cares if he does it too? T- you know,
2: good point. Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. And uh, thanks to Matthew Rock, you are our outstanding producer engineer. Great job today. Pleasure, uh, Michelle. We're going to do this after another Cardinal win over the Dodgers tomorrow. Let's go, Wayno. Let's go, Wayno, and uh, let's go, Albert, and let's go, Redbirds. And as we mentioned at the top. Best, best team in the national league right now.
3: Al, or excuse me, Bueno is going to be like a hippo tonight out there on the mound. You don't want to mess with oh, that.
2: No. How would you like a, uh, a callback, Saint Louis Cardinals, Saint job. Louis Browns 1944 redux in the World Series this year. The Orioles are 500. Could happen. Ooh, ooh, yeah, ooh. Maybe it won't.
4: Is ooh.
3: that what you're cheering for though? not really Me Yachty, either.
2: Yachty no. on the way out Rushman on the way in
4: no I want oh, I
3: want the very coveted Cardinals Yankees World Series that
2: would be a lot of fun I haven't had that one in too long of a time hey we've got a balloon party coming up Tim McKernan and Action Jackson will be with you and uh, until tomorrow morning at 7 for all of us have a great day St. Louis you've been listening to the
0: Character and Smallman Podcast presented by Dom's Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN
8: Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at bidonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at bidonline as well. And don't forget, bidonline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bidonline, where the game starts.